Attack on Titan is not only one of the greatest anime shows of all time, but just one of the best TV shows ever made. Let's break down the remarkable anime Attack on Titan. Welcome back to Raiders of Lost Podcast, everyone. Anthony here, and we're joined by our amazing sound mixer, Jacob Kostler, who knows a lot more about anime than I do. How's it going, man? How's it going? Happy to have you here. So you watched Attack on Titan way before I did. I just binged the whole thing last two weeks, and I had been recommended it many times by a bunch of people. I finally was like, let me watch it, mostly thanks to Crystal. I was absolutely blown away. It lived up to all the hype. I mean, the IMDb rating is a 9.1, which is absurd. And I'm like, is this really that good? And I got to say, I was really impressed with it. I was absolutely like jazzed and juiced every episode. So well written. The characters are incredible. Action sequences, the lore, the world building, the mythos. Everything about it was just phenomenal. And I got to say, it absolutely lived up to the hype. When did you start watching it? Um, I watched it when it started airing. Uh, so I remember back in 2015... Um, when the first episode came out and it, it just, it made waves online. And so I, I'm, I'm such a big anime fan. I'm, I'm constantly like every, every season I'm, I'm watching new series and, uh, I heard about this. I was like, this is going to be, uh, cause the manga was already like decently ahead at that point. I think they were probably at around where season three was at or see, or like the very end of season two. And so, which is also why they took so long because they also had so much content. Um, the everyone's like this is going to be one of the greatest shows of all time get on get on board now because the because the opening episode is incredible it's one yeah. of the best opening episodes i've seen for a show period uh it, it like hooks everyone in so first episode came out i saw that and i'm like yep yeah, i'm on board so was the manga but, being written at the same time as the show is coming out kind of like the harry yes, potter series that's typically how most anime are adapted most anime come from a manga series and um, some are, are completed. It kind of just depends on the viewership that they have prior to that getting made. Cause typically anime isn't that profitable, um, uh, in terms of just like making a, a, a television series and then releasing it. Um, they use that to sell the, the, the manga volumes and to sell merchandise. That makes so sense. anime is just purely more marketing for the more profitable products. And I so, can't believe I can't believe that you had to wait, and as, as well as everybody else who watched it in real time, you had to wait so long for the series to finally conclude because it started in what in 2013 in Japan or 2015, and then it ended last year in 2023, and it being only four seasons. Like I did that with Game of Thrones, but they came out with a new season every year, so yeah. there's always something new to watch every every year. I can only imagine how hard it was to wait, especially because the show does a great job of hanging of hanging cliffhangers. Not just after every episode, but major ones after at the end of every season. I was spoiled where I was able to just go to the next episode, start season three, start season four. And then also the two finale episodes, which were spaced a year apart about for its release. So I can only imagine, especially with the way season season four ended into the penultimate leading up to the first finale episode. I can only imagine how insane it was to have to wait that time period before finally seeing the story wrap up. Yeah, so something weird is that is not like a super commonplace thing 
in 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 the realm of anime they for a long time the the, the industry has kind of just evolved attack on titan is was like the first show to really just like say we're gonna take a break we'll, we'll we'll release the next season when we do it a lot more shows are doing that now actually that's become a, a much more standard practice but um this was the first show to really try to to do that and so they really only release it when they decided it was ready for for the final version uh, so they, to, they do to, to be they, out there they do the opposite of disney plus Let's take, our, yeah. let's take our time, get it right, make sure it looks great and the story is perfect, and then we can release it. Yeah, it's this is like a, a a really recent trend. Like Attack on Titan was probably the first mainstream show to do this, where they intentionally go years between seasons because they are like meticulously working on this. Um, obviously, it's not that's always not the standard practice. Some shows will have like every year they'll come out same time. But uh, this was the first one to really start this trend to where uh, a lot of just Japanese animation has evolved since this came out. And I think they, they've been taking more time to put um, just uh, better work out uh, since there's also uh, at the same time the opposite problem where uh, so some shows don't refuse to go off air. And they just, uh, they're like, oh, we're catching up with the, the manga content. We're just going to create an entire story arc that's filler content that that's not canon to the story that the, someone inside the studio wrote. And we'll just, and they'll just produce those episodes and move on. And so Attack on Titan, honestly, I think it was for the best that um, they were not constantly pumping out episodes or trying to keep up or have some sort of pacing to it because um, in the end they would have caught up and they would have um, added fluff that would have taken away from the story. Cause typically speaking, no, filler is just not super well written. Cause like, it's hard for you to just insert a story arc in the middle of a story and, yeah. and make that work. There's, uh, Cause yeah. it's supposed to be unimportant when they write it. You're, that's a great point. Cause there's shows you watch and even animes where there will be an episode or two where it doesn't really have anything to do with the overall story. It's kind of just like a, Let's do this little adventure. And those are always fun. But I can tell when I watch Attack on Titan from start to finish, there's not an episode that doesn't add to the overarching story in some capacity. So every episode had importance and was meaningful. Even if it was a little lower in quality compared to the, the incredible episodes, it still mattered. And nothing was yeah. wasted. It was also interesting watching it so quickly to see the animation evolve from season one to season four. Season one looked really good, but... The 3D kind of took you out of it for some sequences, but the action sequences by season four, especially the finale episodes, were incredible. The lighting was phenomenal, and I was really blown away by the overall animation of the last season. It was just really phenomenal. Yeah, so when they started going to season four, um, that they changed studios. So their, uh, the original studio uh, making it was called Wit. Um, they, they're still around making content, but like they've, there's a, a trend that's recently where a lot of studios have been taking on work that they like realistically could not handle. And so the, uh, some, some studios will pick up a show for like the first few seasons and then it'll end up getting passed on to a new studio that happened with attack on Titan. I'm not sure the entire logistics behind it since Japan's ten, tends to be a lot more just closed doors on how they run a lot of their business uh, decisions, but uh, they went. They got lucky, and they they went to what's probably the best studio working today, Mappa, uh, or Mappa, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, they they that got Attack on Titan season four, and um, that's really when the bolt the ball got rolling for Mappa in general. They they got Attack on Titan, and then they basically got the three or four most popular ongoing manga uh, at the same time. 
and so and that whole that whole studio has just become super successful uh, uh, with their work. And so the, w- watching, you can see like uh, you, how they sort of use Attack on Titan season four as a um, experiment for certain techniques they would use later on in some of their other series uh, if you go on to watch them. And so I, I think Mappa was probably the best choice they could have they could have had for this because they their whole specialization is high speed action with just uh, 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 j- very dynamic animation and mm. uh, take their time with everything. They do not they don't have a regular release schedule for any of their uh, series. They release them when they think it's ready. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I mean, there were some action sequences where I was like screaming, let's go. Yeah. And fist pumping like Levi versus the Beast Titan. The assaults on Marley. I was like absolutely floored by some of these sequences. But I mean, every time in Levi versus Kenny. So season three, Levi versus Kenny was a very early action scene. And I was absolutely floored by that because I wasn't expecting it. it was the first time it was, you know, humans against humans. And it was such a dynamic action sequence, stunning cinematography, great animation. And and it's just a great overarching story for that, like, five-minute action scene. And I, that scene happened. I was – my jaw dropped on the floor because we had seen, you know, the ODM gears really fun fighting the Titans. But there's only so much you can do against a Titan. But when you have humans against humans – it makes it really even more dynamic than that kind of fighting style. And I remember that Kenny fight just absolutely blowing me away. Yeah. I remember I texted you. I'm like, yeah, season three has this this one this one sequence <laughs> where I'm like, my jaw was on the floor. I was like, this was is a the TV same show? One? What? The same one? <laughs> yeah. It was like Kenny versus Levi and his whole or, – or uh, sorry – uh, Lee, Kenny squad yeah. versus Levi, and I just remember watching. I was like, "This was incredible! I gotta, I gotta know how they did this." There's a, there's a whole uh, uh, video on YouTube where they actually broke down how they made it. They got uh, Japan likes to release like every now and then just behind the scenes of like the animation uh, for where they built. So like they show you how like they built a whole 3D. Uh, uh, map of the city, and then flew and like you use a cam- like a fake camera to like an- basically fly through there, and they animated Levi into there, and they show like this the keyframes and how they like uh came together. It's it's so it's so interesting to see how much work goes into that. Like there's a lot of the um we talked about 3D like being kind of not great on like the Titans for example. For like, well, there's a lot of scenes where the entire environment is 3D, where all, the entire city, every building is 3D, and uh, but you never know, yeah. because of the way the way they're able to shoot everything, they're able to make it blend seamlessly with the rest of the action, and I think that's something that a lot of 
series don't manage to pull off is blending 2D and 3D together like that. And it's what makes Attack on Titan so incredible is, is not just the writing, but the production aspect of it, uh, of just the amount of time and effort they're using to, to basically perform things that not a lot of other series have been able to do. That's a great point because I remember noticing the 3D in the first season, but then by season three and four, I completely forgot that they were even using 3D because I was so in it that I didn't even it didn't even make I didn't even become aware of it being used. That's yeah. how I, that's how seamlessly it blended together. I think. Whereas the first season, there's some 3D shots where I'm like, oh, that's 3D, but then I it, I didn't even think that, especially in the fourth season. Just it just they caught up, and the technology and the animators just did a stunning job with that. And speaking exactly. speaking of success, so in 2021. The first part of the final season of Attack on Titan was the most viewed show on television in the United States before it was taken over by the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So that's how successful this show is, even in uh, even abroad in the United States. It also broke the Guinness World Record for the most in-demand anime TV show of all time. It's the 50 most followed TV series ever, currently at number 47 of all time making it one of only a few non-American titles and the only Japanese title on the entire list of the 50 most followed TV shows. And then in, in 2022, Attack on Titan won the award for most in-demand TV series in the world for the from the Global Demand TV Awards. So this is just a massive success. I kind of feel silly for waiting so long to watch it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's... I think that's a lot of people for anime if they like haven't already like sunk their teeth in. It's really like you getting that first step into like watching one of the really good shows that I think are just most similar to I get like mainstream television we'll say so like Breaking Bad Game of Thrones Sopranos um I think I think Attack on Titan does is probably one of the closest in terms of storytelling writing and just I think like the dialogue writing specifically Mm -hmm. because I think that um this show the the shows I've seen that have taken off the most outside of Japan have been essentially the ones that are the least similar to like standard Japanese like culture and writing. So like the, the, you don't need to know Japanese culture to like watch attack on Titan and understand what's going on. It's not based in Japanese culture or anything like that. What, like a lot of anime would be when like a lot of people wouldn't understand certain things that are like customs or just certain like quirks of, of just Japanese culture and interactions. So there's like a lot of just uh, uh, writing that I think that kind of is a hurdle for a lot of people to get into anime, but Attack on Titan doesn't have any of those. And I think that's a major point of like what made it break through like that is so anyone can watch it and they don't need any prior information about Japan to understand what's going on. Yeah. So do you think, is, was this a show that really made anime mainstream in America? Oh, abs- absolutely. I think that it, it like, Anime was slowly chipping away at it, but Attack on Titan was like, I think this is like the last show that we will have that's gonna be like, uh, uh I guess not. It's it's the second. Uh, I'm trying to find the right 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 word. This it's uh knowing how anime is is moving as an industry. I feel like this is the uh, like the precipice or the the. Uh, last show that's going to come out before anime really, really broke breaks out into like fully mainstream. Like it's just a normal thing that people watch. Um, I, cause I knew attack on Titan was going to be one of those shows to where like, if uh, this is going to be what makes this mainstream. When I watched season one, I was like, yeah, this is going to be huge. Yeah. Cause and- I, yeah. I remember I, w- when I was a kid, I grew up watching Pokemon and Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. 
But it kind of stopped after after Dragon Ball Z, and I never continued watching yeah. any anime. And then it wasn't until last year, per your request, I finally watched Avatar: Last Airbender, and adored it. And yeah. then now after this, but I, I can understand, I can see why it's becoming so culturally significant in America. But really, like something happened to me in person where I it really I saw how big it was becoming. So I went to a Newberry Comics in Boston, and I hadn't been to a Newberry Comics since I was like in my early twenties, maybe maybe even earlier. And I remember Newberry Comics was a place for music and posters and and, t- and band T-shirts, and that's pretty much it. And so I walked into this Newberry Comics in in Boston, and half the store was anime. And I was like, okay, this is really getting huge here. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, it's uh, – I kind of realized how big it was getting not that long ago, honestly. It was um, – a, a, an anime film came out that was um, a sequel – or uh, I guess a continuation of of the series that was going on. They decided that the shorter arcs of of the series they were just going to make into films, and then continue. So you have to alternate between the TV series and the movies. Which, I mean, in if someone's like watching them and not like as they're being released, they're gonna be so confused about <laughs> that. But um, still, even though this movie was just like a contin- uh, the just the bridge between seasons one and two, um, it broke so many records. Uh, it, it, it is now the highest grossing film in the history of Japan. It's, wow. uh, it, so it overtook Spirited Away, which was already like the top grossing movies in Japan are, uh, are anime. And now, now in the U S it's just, they're breaking records upon records. It, it like earns like almost a hundred million in the U S if not more than that. And then, uh, it just, and that, and that's like just off the, like the, like the English dubbed release. And I think with, I think with the, uh, Japanese uh, uh, version. I think they 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 had something like six hundred million wow. in, in in like box office revenue or something like that. That's unbelievable. Where I was like, holy crap! This is that's incredible. Like Miyazaki films don't didn't do that back in the day. Like I think Spirited Away didn't have more than like three hundred, two hundred, yeah, so, yeah, something around that range. And so uh, once I saw how much money these were making, were just new series who like don't. I haven't been around that long. Like even the mangas aren't that old, um, are earning hundreds of millions at the box office. Like that's, that's kind of a sign. Like this is starting to become a pretty popular thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that what makes Attack so special is it really is the storytelling. They do an incredible job of weaving together so many themes, um, themes about history, themes about life, themes about the darkness of humanity while also capturing themes of, about the great things about life. But on top of that, what makes what makes a great story is if you don't know how it's going to end from the start. So you sometimes you watch a movie, you're like, I know how this is going to end. You watch a TV show, and you're like, nothing really surprises you. With Attack on Titan, I just found myself surprised and shocked time and time again. And it really it allows you to let the story unfold, where you're like, you're, it just you just let the story take you over, and you're like, I'm just going to watch this. I'm not going to even try to figure out what's going to happen. I I know I tried predicting a couple of things the first few episodes, and that was way off. And I'm like, I'm just going to let this happen. And that really is a testament to the storytelling where you do, it, and it also doesn't make the choices you want to make. You know, if you told me from the first few episodes or even the whole first season that Aaron Yeager would be the, the biggest threat to the world, 
by the fourth season, I would have been like, that's ridiculous. The guy, all he wants to do is fight for people who are, fight for the weak people. And then it just takes these so many turns and directions where it's so unpredictable and so shocking that when I was watching it and binging it, every time an episode ended, I was like, next one, next one. There was one night where I watched 11 episodes straight. (laughs) I just couldn't stop because as all these cliffhangers kept coming about, as all these new reveals kept coming about, I was just flabbergasted and just so addicted to figuring out what this story was end up going to be. And I was for for an ending, I think it was just a really smart way to end it. And it didn't it didn't take the route I wanted it to, or maybe the route that you traditionally might expect a story like this to take out, especially with the archetypes to set up. Yeah. Uh, and this flawed hero. And having your hero turn into essentially the villain, the, the biggest villain humanity has ever faced was just so brilliant and unexpected. Yeah, this it's it's funny you bring that up because I was I was when I was rewatching season four, I I came to a realization I guess so you wouldn't know the series. There's a series uh, another anime called Code Geass. It was uh, it was really popular when it came out, although it like obviously hasn't broke isn't super mainstream, but it it was still really popular. Um, rewatching season four, I was like, huh, this is weirdly similar to Code Geass at like in. A lot of the like the the beats in like the in, in their core, I could see there's a lot of inspiration there, and uh, I, I like to see that Attack on Titan took a little bit of a different turn to I guess that whole uh, uh, idea of like this political drama that it develops because it's the first three seasons are very different from what the final season is. Yes, it's the first the first three seasons are like suspense, horror, drama, action, the, the action, but the last one is. Ex- the the horror uh, aspect is pretty much gone and it's we're now we're now numb to to what the titans were and now we have uh, uh a, a huge political drama that's uh, uh unfolding that like really uh takes your characters in areas you didn't expect and uh i think it's so interesting how it's pulled influences from these other series and managed to make it its own thing I also saw references to a couple of great films. I, I have to look it up because I didn't. I'm sure people have pulled together lists of cinematic references, but there was an incredible reference to Schindler's List in season four, near the end, as the rumbling was approaching uh, the group of people on the cliffside, and then all of a sudden the footage turns black and white, but they're all the people are passing this baby atop their hands to save it from the cliff, and it's dressed in this red blanket. And the red of the blanket in the baby is the only color in the entire image, whereas all the people in the rest of the images of, of that footage were black and white, very reminiscent of the black of the red red uh, coat of the girl in Schindler's List. And I was just so blown away. There's also a great Park Chan Wook reference for his film The Handmaiden, where two characters are standing on a boat, and we see this shot from behind them, this huge wide shot with the beautiful ocean behind them. One character is dressed in a white suit, one character is dressed in a black suit, and they're both kind of disguising themselves in that scene. And, and that's the same thing that we saw that same shot with Mikasa and Eren on the boat dressed in the dark suit and then the white suit. They're not so much disguised, but they're pretending to be um, people they aren't. And I thought those were just beautiful cinematic uh, references to incredible films. And that's what the, one of the strengths to the series is how cinematic it feels, how big the storytelling feels. It really made me feel like I was watching 
uh, uh, just a 90 episode movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's something I found that the the series constantly excels at. You feel you you feel like you're you're watching uh, a film. It, it, it I think there's like we're like this is I guess anime is no isn't excluded from this, but we've and we're in an era where television in the quality of television is starting to overlap with film. And and I think and and I think Attack on Titan and a lot of recent anime series have been are proof that that that's the case across the board. It doesn't matter what medium you're you're creating in. Uh, the we're we're getting to a point where a lot of uh, you can. There's so many ways to tell your tell stories now. And I think Attack on Titan uses the the uh, uh, the most that it can with with the medium that it has. I think I think it does everything in its in its power to to com- to communicate whether it's visually and I think a, a story like Attack on Titan that I I I'm not even sure if that could like truly work in live action to like there's there's certain parts of the story I think the the scope of it kind of is is almost limiting there's certain ideas in imagery that you can only communicate through animation uh, or or, uh, or or through hand anything that's hand drawn so so like the manga too. Uh, when you get to live action, I think there's certain things in the visual storytelling they have where you're like, oh, I don't think a, li- a live action adaptation could even like communicate that. I actually, I was thinking the same thing. So I, I was thinking during the first season, oh, this could be a great live action film. But then as the 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 series, uh, the scope of the series got bigger, and the scale of the visuals got so huge. I was like, there's no way this could work live action. Like, they'll do it. They'll try it eventually. But it's not going to do it justice. And there's a couple of reasons. So, like you said, the visual imagery would be too impossible to pull off. And it wouldn't. some of it wouldn't quite make sense in live action. But also, some of it would be too horrific in live action. So, if you, sh- if you, if you did live action Colossal Titans, that would be really disturbing to look at. It would be really kind of gross and grisly and very graphic and especially... So the Colossal Titan, but also the entire ram- rumbling of the million Colossal Titans. That's the imagery that it works live action because it's not as off-putting with animation. It's not as disgusting or grotesque. or it's You're literally talking about giant fleshless, fleshless beings. Like If people were watching that on screen for an hour, that, that would really, really be tough to take in. Um, and so I think the animation is the only way this story can ultimately work. And on top of that... It's very graphic, like especially the first few seasons. Watching people getting devoured by titans over and over again, I was being like desensitized to it, and like and it was very like disturbing just in animation. And I know that live action, it would be far too horrific, and it, in, in a lot of ways, they wouldn't really be able to show what they showed with animation. Like it wouldn't get an R rating. It would be like NC seventeen or X rated because it would be that messed up and disturbing to look at in live action. And so I just think that the, the animation for this story is really o- the only way that it can work for an audience. Absolutely. I think I, I think the show is like the epitome of why I love animated projects so much is that there's a cer- there's certain things you just can't communicate in any other way or certain feelings that that you can give the audience is the only way to do it is through a hand-drawn thing somewhere something where you have 100% control of the image. And, and down to the pixel. Yeah, I and mean, I, with, and with anime, there's in, like sequences like where the background will change into a gra- like an animated colored back like backdrop behind characters expressing the the mood of the moment. If you do that in live action, it, the audiences will be like, "This is weird." 
It, w- it wouldn't yeah. work. There's there's already a suspension of disbelief when you go into it. So anything it does, you're just you're already you're already in for it. You're like, yeah, let's go. I mean, I, I knew this was going to be different when I went into it. So whatever, I, I'm open to whatever they decide to do to 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 tell the story. And also, like the ODM gear, is, like it it works for the anime, but if you try to logistically film that, it would be really difficult because they spend a lot of time just like flying straight. That I those movies would be just pure yeah. CGI the whole yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. So like, and it, I think but, Disney is the only company that can afford to even make a like a proper <laughs> adaptation of this. <laughs> like it's uh, if, like this 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 series would be so expensive to make movies about. Dude, just the ODM fighting sequences would be a yeah. hundred million dollars for one sequence like that. Like any and especially the just to afford how to just to afford CGI for the Titans. Like how do you even film that? I saw like a fan film live action version of it. It didn't work at all. Like I watched yeah. a couple of clips and it looked terrible. There's a uh, Japanese live action I that they did and it wasn't that bad. But like it, it obviously this is it's you can still tell it's not going it's not like a full budget. Yeah. film or adaptation. But I think that's like every anime adaptation. You look at it you're like Oh, I mean, usually in Japan, you it usually ends up being eh, not bad, and yeah. then in the U.S., you're like, Ugh. it might have been what I saw because the Titans were just like they were just people who were just big, and they didn't have like that strangeness to them and that yeah. the the weird looks to them and the the, the formed fe- yeah. all, all the Titans should be sitting in the uncanny valley where you physically yes. feel com- uncomfortable looking at them. Yeah, because because most notably, like the the smiling Titan. The Titan that eats Aaron's mom, and we end up learning is his dad's ex, which is crazy. Like that smiling Titan, I thought it was like they could have done that for all the Titans, but I think that it was smart to like show only a couple of them with that grotesque smile because that Titan just made my skin crawl. And it was that that frozen smile, and it it just seemed like pure evil. Ultimately, we don't we learned that it wasn't, but it was just like that smiling Titan. You're like it was is uncanny valley in a way that it was just like it irked me and made just made my stomach turn when I saw it. Yeah, exactly. Like, like every titan should make your skin crawl a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I love the ones that just like run like crazy. Oh yeah, the ab the abnormal <laughs> abnormal just like are just <laughs> limbs are optional for movement. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the 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 designs they come up with are just incredible, and I uh, in season four they revealed that none of the Titan shifters like look the same across their uh, their Titans. So when when a, a specific Titan gets passed down, so like the attack Titan between Grisha and Aaron, Aaron looks not that much like his his dad just kind of looked like a hairy dude with like some mm-hmm. chest hair but and Aaron's like a lot more just uh, just shredded uh he looks he probably looks the most normal of all the titan forms yeah uh i think they did it on purpose yeah i think that i i think there there was some level of just intention with that um which i uh, is pretty interesting but yeah you see that um uh, when you like go look at uh uh, Falco, when uh, he gets his the jaw tighten, he becomes a bird. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and if you and they sh- start showing the previous iterations that they like in in the finale, uh, you see like all these different versions of those titans and and the way they took took shape. Uh, I think I think it's so interesting the way that they can portray the exact same titan but find unique ways to design them that um are I think reflective of their user. 
So while there are some shared traits, the, each Titan is 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 individual. And, yeah, I think, and, yeah. and the way they managed to stay unique with every single design where it doesn't feel like uh, it's just the same thing again. Yeah, like, and Emir's jaw titan didn't even have like the jaws, really, or exactly. the claws. I thought it was really smart because it made it feel like the, the, the human being that was turned into a titan reflected that version of that titan. And I think there could, there like, it's that, that one of the nine of the nine titans people can be best suited to certain ones. So I think that Eren was perfectly suited for the attack Titan, obviously. And I think that Falco is representative of being perfect for the jaw Titan for fully realizing its true form, like its full form. So I think that certain people, if they get the right Titan, they can make it the greatest form of its potential. And then some other people, when they get the Titan, like Ymir wasn't suit, isn't suited for the jaw Titan. So she, just looked and appeared and acted like a kind of like a normal Titan when she ate the Jaw Titan's power. So I think that certain people bring out the the vast potential of each one. When they, uh, I guess they don't discuss it as much, but um, it's very clear. There's like a huge process that goes through in Marley when they were picking who were going to be the warrior candidates and why it was. It's like such a big deal for them to have the right person for the right Titan. So. Uh, I'm sh while it's not revealed, I'm sure that they have a whole process and how they figure out who's going to be the best option for this. So this is this is why all these uh, people who weren't candidates like their Titans don't have the same powers or they might be limited in what they can do. So like uh, Emir gets she has claws and but and like has a uh, her jaw isn't the same strength as um, a as the it's next two hardened. people who yeah. have like a full bone like mask. That can that, that can break even the hardest uh, uh, material they can generate. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was so interesting. Now, speaking of all these titans and people, we have some rankings. I'm not sure how much you agree with these rankings, but we'll get I, through. I them. generally agree. These, there's there's yeah. a few of them I would kind of like shift around. But. So I want I want to rank characters. I want to rank seasons. Uh, we'll rank the best twists of the movie of this series, and then the best most powerful moments, and then the best action sequences. Because it's hard to talk about 93 episodes, so I think that this is a great way to to bounce around and hit our favorite moments and beats. So let's start with uh, ranking the seasons. So for me, I would say I would rank it as season two was is number is the fourth best, and then season one is the third best, and then I would go season. Three is third best, and season four was my favorite. I, I really, I wasn't sure about season four, especially with the first four or five episodes when we're just in Marley. Yeah, they and, just kind of drop you in. They're like, yeah, like I thought it was going to be like an episode. If you're patient, you'll get back to what you want, but you're going exactly. to have to be on the ride. I was like, is, oh, is this going to be like an episode pilot? Like, first episode, we're going to get to see Marley. I, I was like, this is cool, but then like six more episodes, I was like, it's. Yeah. When are we like, going to see the Aaron until ep yeah. seven episodes into the season? Yeah. What are so you I've, talking about? So at first I was like, I was kind of thrown off by the fourth season. But then when Aaron does show up, oh, my God, with the assault and oh, my. Yeah. That was just it's, unbelievable. It's so random. And I, yeah. I, I love it. And I, I, I really I ended up at first I was like the time jump. I'm not sure how I feel about it. And then it got a, it just you had to really, really pay attention when we you learned because we're traveling back storylines past and present because we we revealed Erin and the others and they're 
new black suits, which look so badass. But then they also later on reveal that first boat with Yelena, teaming up with them, making this plan, trying to see, figure out what they should do. So that we do j jump around time, which we hadn't really done before. But then once season four started, got, got rolling, I was just invested. I love the lore. I, lo I love learning more about uh, the founding Titan, Ymir. And I love learning more about the entire lore of the Titans. And by the finales, I was just like, this is fucking unbelievable. So I, had to, I have to put it as my favorite season without a doubt. Season one was very strong. And then season two, really great. But I just had some patience issues. It was just, it didn't flow together pacing wise. To me, wise. I see it as like the two towers yes. of uh, of the friend. We're like, like it's still great. Yeah. But it's just it's never going to be your favorite because the mo there's n the the most important events don't happen in that season. Yeah. Well, like we get some great reveals. Yeah. Like Annie and and Bertolt and Reyna as Titans. Satisfies it, a lot of yeah. the mystery aspect of it. It has it yeah. It has really great anything else. The great twists and but it didn't have as compelling of a story as the other three seasons. Not to say it still wasn't great. And I think season three, if it wasn't for season four's epicness, would have been my favorite. Because season three is really flawless in its pacing and its storytelling. And every episode really fucking hits in that in that se season. And from start to finish, it's like 24 episodes. But it just steamrolls through an incredible story. So overall, season three is the most consistently great. But I just gotta say, season four is just the culmination of the whole story, how they ended it, and just that finale two episodes. It was just phenomenal. It was just groundbreaking for me. Um, for me, I, I think I'm about the same order. I think I would put three over four. I ha I uh I think four has uh has like every now and then you run into a little bit of pacing issues, and um. I also think they throw just a little bit too much information at the viewer uh, for you to, like, really process what's going on. So it'll take you, like, three episodes to figure out what the hell they were talking about. Exactly, uh, yeah. They'll, they'll, like, say, oh, here's yeah. our plan, and uh, and I'll be like, I don't know what any of that just meant. And then, like, <laughs> then the, then the, the plan happens. You're like, oh, that, okay, that, okay, now it makes sense now that you see it happening. But it, it definitely has, like... Uh, a, a, a whole thing where the the, the dialogue uh, just kind of is hard to parse what they're uh, talking about. It got a little convoluted, and yeah. like I said, like just bouncing around the time periods as well. It's just like you really have to pay attention to that fourth season. Yeah, so I would I would definitely put three over four, and then it'd be one and two because I think I think two just feels the most incomplete because it's a very short season. It's like. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's not even 20 episodes. It's, it's, it's less than that. It's like 12 or it's like 12 to 17, somewhere in that range. The, this is like one of the shows that just doesn't follow your standard 12 or 24 episode season order. So they kind of just do what they want. But yeah, I would, uh, I would say that season four has a few flaws. I, I, I think I'm more critical of season four than most people mm -hmm. just uh, cause I'm, I was so invested and I feel like there's like certain just like analogies or like parallels they try and make to real life where like, uh, so one of the big ones were like, I kind of took me, I stepped back a little bit from the series in terms of like how well I thought it was written was the idea of, uh, uh, of the, uh, of, of, of who the Eldians were, where they're, uh, saying where they're ascent, they're persecuted and, and genocided. Yeah. Uh, making parallels to like a lot of the genocides that occurred in, in the real, in real life. And then, and then there's like, uh, 
but it's also kind of their fault. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. You want me? To... <laughs> Which I know, like in in the greater scheme of things, it's a really interesting story. But like in the moment when I was watching it, I was like pulled back a little bit. I was like, hold up. I I you actually guys... I completely agree. I felt the same if way you, a little bit as well. If you want me to like uh, side, like for example, with the Jaegerists. If you want me to like really ki- like see see their perspective on things, because I feel like there was some intention to like have the viewers be conflicted on 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 where they stand in in in, a, in the conflict, but I feel like that was never successfully delivered. That was like the one thing about season four. I think is is the uh, uh, my one like b- real criticism is that it feels like uh, it didn't deliver on on just making the, the me feel as conflicted as uh, as I wanted me to be. That's probably because they made the Jaegerists really just completely brutal. Yeah. And becoming just as horrible as um, the forces of Marley, exactly. especially with Flock in command and Flock, ju- Flock just relishing the power he was taking. Can't stand that, dude. Fuck Flock, he's, man. He's he's the worst. <laughs> he's the like, worst. I, like, every scene he was in, I'm like, oh my god, can we move on from this what, dude? When he died, I was so happy. I was like, fuck yeah. that guy. Don't, and I'm don't like, go- I'm so glad that his death was just like, okay, it's done. Let's go I'm, I'm glad he suffered. I'm glad he didn't get anything like significant. I'm glad they were just like, yeah, he's dead. Let's go. Yeah. I'm glad he knew he was dying so he could just feel the fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that 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 was that was like one of the few times where I'm like, let's go. <laughs> I was so glad. I was like, the one of the few times I'm glad a character died. I was like, I was, I'm so sick of him. Get him out of here. <laughs> but I see what you mean because the Eldians, it's not like so. Fourth season, I saw there's so many parallels to both uh, Nazism and then also the Soviet Union. Yeah. And especially the Russian gulags, which essentially were how the Marley's, Marleyans were treating the Eldians like Russian gulags. And there's also, because another great parallel to that is Zeke. So Zeke as a kid, his father's like conditioning him to free their people. This is your mission. And he turns his parents in. He yeah. rats on his parents. This is something that happened in both of those cultures. And also the, the novel 1984 does a great job of translating that, like, parents in that novel are terrified of their kids for reporting them for any kind of what's called thought crime that would be against the, the, the civilization that was built, that took over. And so I thought that was a brilliant parallel to both the Soviet Union and Germany for those periods of how even the kids turn against their parents. That's how difficult it was for anyone to even trust each other. Exactly. Like I, it's it's so interesting to see how like convoluted that conflict be, became. Where there, the, like there was so much infighting. Where uh, uh, just the uh, the constant danger that everyone else felt from from each other, uh, it it like locked the Eldians into an, an eternal conflict with within themselves. If they couldn't even organize themselves, there's no way they were uh, be able to organize themselves against Marley. So. Uh, it's it's so interesting that Zeke saw that Z- like it, it, like now having his full perspective and knowing what his thoughts are on on this, he even though he betrayed his his parents, he did it because it, it, uh, he believed he was saving Eldia and all the Eldians by uh, by enacting this plan, uh, and I th- I think it's so fascinating the ways that these characters all have the same goals but are just. They separate uh, 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 the, the ways they want to achieve them are so vastly different, and and they and they refuse to uh, uh, to to try to come to an agreement on it, even though they all want the same thing. 
Yeah. It's interesting. Zeke's plan, I didn't, I, at first I didn't like his plan of euthanization. I was like, that's like so extreme. Like, why would he, why, I was like, why, like, I understand that he's like, we're a threat to the existence of humanity. Like we should be, we should be wiped out. So we shouldn't be able to procreate anymore. I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not fully behind that. But then after the rumbling, I was like, oh fuck, he was right. Yeah, like I can see his side. That's the that's what's so great about the film about the series is everyone is their own protagonist, and no, even though someone seems like a villain, like the first time we see Zeke, especially as the Beast Titan, you're like, this guy is just murdering people. He just took out Ervin and his entire all the scouts. Like this guy's a monster, but then you learn this guy is trying to save the world. And at first, I was like, the euthanization plan. I don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't like it. But then after seeing how big of a risk the Eldians did pose the rest of the world of, of humanity, like they did pose a, a catastrophic annihilation, annihilation, like you when you saw the rumbling happen, you're like, I understand what Zeke was yeah. saying the whole time now. Like I can I can understand it more clearly now. Once you saw a full power founding Titan, you're like this. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, there, there's no way this power can 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 exist in this world. And I, 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 I that's the thing that's so interesting that like even as we're watching the final season, our opinions on the conflict aren't settled. You don't 100%. have a final opinion until you finish the series. And and and, and uh, I think that's so interesting. Where it's like, uh, I think a lot of stories like to just like sit like find like get all the characters on into where they need to be and then uh just sort of uh say okay this is what's right go do that and like even at the end like I i'm like still not on board with like even what the the protagonists are our plan is it's 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 one of those series where like it's kind of there's no real way to win which I think is is their whole thing is that's the it's the endless cycle of, of of conflict and hatred. There's no real way to win. Uh, the best you can do is uh, uh, is is be free, and that's like what uh, those what they care about more than anything. There's like there is no way for us to win, but we can at least be free uh, uh, till the end. And I I think that's such an interesting thing that they like are like basically basing their the entire foundation of this story on is, is freedom that death metal song break free oh yeah rum, the <laughs> rumbling so the song so it's uh i actually i love this song it like when, I, when i've been it, when singing it, it all airing, day it, it's 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 on my it's on my uh spotify playlist i it, it's like one of my favorite songs to put on in the gym where uh the like anime music knows how to get you going it's the the, the the i'm not sure if like they have like a whole like organization that like of like secret ghostwriters who like write these songs because i know like i'm familiar with the artists who make them but i'm not sure i i don't look into who's writing them mm -hmm. but uh like i don't there's just something about anime opening songs where like whoever they're who, whoever they hire to make these across not just attack on titan but other series they're not getting paid enough because I'm, like, yeah. I'm like i can i'll hit prs to to the opening <laughs> of, of an anime song i, I don't know <laughs> i love how the theme song in the opening title credits changed with every season yeah I, I loved it i thought it was so cool it was so interesting and uh, i and the songs did translate the themes of yeah. the main themes of what was happening that season and especially that final song with the break free um because you're right it, the the ending the theme is about bringing freedom and freedom of choice to the world and i 
I love. I also love the ending for how how dark and grim it was because it wouldn't have worked if it was like Eren saved the world. We're all at peace now. We're all friends. It it would have not worked at all. Like I was walking into the final episode, I was like, Eren has to die. There's no way he can he can live throughout this story. Like he has to die. And I understood what he did. Eren's choice was it's hard to swallow, um, but he felt it was the only way to really eliminate the Titan power from the Earth. And it still didn't provide peace. It didn't. It didn't provide lasting peace or or save the world. Essentially, eighty percent of the population was wiped out, and the left the lasting twenty percent have to basically figure out what they're going to do. And in a lot of ways, things went back to the way they were because that's the way things always will be. Yeah. There will always be conflict. There will always be war, and there will always be um, foreigners to each other people people will always be se- segregated especially countries and so i thought it was really smart to not make it we save the day let's all I celebrate think that's, i think that's also one of the most controversial choices about the series because this ending is pretty controversial online uh, so the anime does make a few changes to scenes and i think it is a bit better than the manga in, in the way it's written, but I think a lot of people are kind of on the, uh, like, don't necessarily agree with the idea that humanity will, uh, should go back to conflict, um, that, uh, the, uh, that th- the, the whole point of this conflict was, uh, humanity needed to band together against one, one huge opponent who they have no other way of taking down besides together, and, um, that forces them to know each other, to, to, to learn about each other. And, and and connect and so I, I, a lot of people take take issue with with the fact that humanity goes back to conflict immediately, which I which I, I can understand why why you could like criticize that as uh, uh, as an expectation for the series yeah um and uh, I I I it's I think it's so interesting because I think a lot of series would have done that route of mm-hmm. of humanity yes. finding peace finally I think Attack on Titan is one of the few series where where that's it's even though it's a, a happy ending it really isn't it's um the uh the only separation is that humanity exists on it, but conflict still goes on and the cycle isn't, isn't truly broken because it zeke's plan wasn't that much different of euthanizing all the eldians yeah. however Aaron understood that that wasn't enough so i think the p- whole point behind Aaron's decision was we have to eliminate this godlike power from the earth so that it can never fall into the hands of people ever again. And so he's like, we have to eliminate the Titan power. And so we, this is the only way to do that because euthanizing the Eldians wouldn't stop that. The Titan, the founding Titan would still exist. And then the parallel Titans probably could find another way into humanity. Similarly to how Emir became a Titan, the original Titan. If something like that could have happened again. So... Uh, I, I think that Aaron believed that humanity's future could never um, last with this godlike power being accessible. So he's like, we need to wipe out the godlike power of the Titans completely and eradicate that. And then humanity can go forward into its future. I, I definitely understand where he came from in terms of his, his reasoning to pursue this goal. Because there's, yeah. there's, so there's so many levels to it, which is what makes a show so fascinating is that there's there, no one has one specific reason for why their choices are what they are. It's yeah. so much is built up to where they are in the finale. And his character arc is just unbelievable. So yeah. speaking of character, let's do our character ranking. 
Uh, so we put the, put together a list of 22 characters of the lead characters. There's so many others, but I was like, we, I don't have time to do 100 characters. Yeah. So these are like the 22 biggest roles in the in the series. So at number 22, uh, Flock being just the worst person alive of all time. <laughs> I hate Flock. He like he actually frustrates me. <laughs> he became he became a good villain, but it was just like every time oh, he was on sure. screen, every time he was on screen, I was like, "Fuck this guy! I hate this I'm like, guy!" I'm like, "When are they gonna kill this dude?" <laughs> because he's like he he loved killing and he loved being For, in power. He reveled in it, yeah. yeah. Like like he he even said when when like as he starts becoming an important character in season three, he's like, "I was gonna kill Commander Ervin." Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, but then I realized that we need a. Uh, he he he's like the you could see the beginning of the Jaegerist starting with him in season three. Yeah. Uh, and as Aaron is starting to see the memories and how he's starting to transform, uh, as a person, and Flock just becomes just the worst. He also has you, the you, worst you, hair. You, you can see it in season in season three. Like he's you're like this is this is he's gonna be <laughs> the worst character on this show. <laughs> Ter- terrible hair too. I hate his hair. Yeah. <laughs> he's got that, like that they weird. Gave, they gave him a glow up in season four a little. Yeah, bit. season four is better, but he had like the little the poof. Hair, just it was. Po- his sides were pointing forward, then his poof up. I was like, "Who? What is this?" Yeah, hair? like he looked like he, uh, he always looks like he just got out of bed. <laughs> and then we have uh, basically his partner in crime at twenty one, Yelena. I never really liked Yelena, and I didn't like how she survived. I thought she should have died because yeah. she was awful. She was just as bad as as Flock. And um, I liked her at first, but then like I think I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't like her at all. I like to see her as a foil to Flock. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Where uh, they're both like devout followers of of one of the Jaegers, and uh, uh, Flock though is reveling in 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 the horror and destruction, and he 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 he's reveling in all of it. But Yelena doesn't necessarily like want to be killing people. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's clear that she actually has a moral compass for for what was going what's going on. Flock just wants pure revenge. And all that, yeah. Elena wants to actually save people, and 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 she has like true motivations to to aspire to something, uh, and uh, I th- her 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 loyalty to to Zeke was is admiration or or infatuation rather than uh, flock, uh, almost essentially using Aaron as like a surrogate for his lack of ability to do anything. Yeah, that's a great so, point. Yeah. Uh, so I think in Yel- Yelena surviving and Flock not kind of shows uh, 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 is also s- intentional as they since they both serve similar roles. Um, the differences between them is uh, uh, Flock was doomed to die. His uh, his 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 endeavors as uh, a Jaegerist doomed him to die. He he killed innocent people for yeah. no reason. He was too uh, evil. He was destined to die. Yelena never like. Her her actions were always with reason. And political. She never, yeah. Anyone who was uh, say what you want about the series about a lot of people dying. Anyone who was like truly like just evil to the core, or someone who was just villainous and, and did unforgivable things for for no real reason. Yeah. All kind of got their comeuppance uh, in the end. Mm-hmm. Great point. Uh, uh, and so Yelena, like anyone who like ended up killing innocent people. You, all the ones who survived had had reasons for it. It was they were all the, like Titan shifters or or um, Eldians who were forced to work for Marley and and, yeah. and all that, or Marleyans who didn't know better because they were tricked by the history that they were told. Uh, um, the devils. Well, although I think it's I think it's I guess an interesting thing is whether or not what what's the true history behind Ymir. Uh There's I think there's a little bit of truth in the both sides of things. 
Yeah, and we actually see two different versions. Yeah. And then we we kind of get to see then Ymir's version yeah. um, at the very, very end where yeah. we, we see uh, the king, first king dead. And uh, It was him with the – he was killed the spear at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. I like that difference. All right, next up – I, we I had, like the idea that it's like just there uh, – neither history is necessarily 100% correct. Yeah. I mean I, I think Ymir's backstory is fascinating. It's, it was yeah. one, of, one of my favorite sequences of the whole thing, like learning about that lore. Um, next up we have at 20 Falco. Like he's his Titan's great. Yeah. He's just like and he's he's a cute kid. Uh, he's but I mean he comes in late in the story and you know we've we're already so invested in other characters for so long. He's still he's a great character. Um, he's always just trying to do the, what's the right thing in his eyes, and he does realize fully realize the full potential of of the Titan that he uh, takes in and consumes. He's a cute kid. Exactly. I think he's one of the first of of the warrior candidates who actually like kind of see. Well, like prior to getting a titan, he's one of the first mm-hmm. ones to ever actually see what is actually going on. Yeah. Uh, he was the first person to really connect with Eldians, uh, and, and not just see them as 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 devils. And I, I I really like his character. But yeah, he is. I think he's just a little bit um less interesting than the other characters. Yeah. And isn't he, necessarily like a bad written character. There's 40 interesting characters. You know. Yeah. It's it's, hard, it's a good it's a hard ranking. Next up, uh, Gene. Gene's great. He's but he's he's just like there. <laughs> yeah, I love um, him. He, I think I like I like him more as the series goes on. Like yeah. I think, but I think that's that's his whole thing is that he's supposed to be unlikable at first, and mm-hmm. then um, he's the guy who redeems himself in the end. He truly like becomes like a real hero in that be- uh, by the end of the series. He also has the best haircut with the undercut in the first couple seasons. But I, I do I did like his arc where he was someone when uh the Admiral was talking to them all on the wall and convincing them to fight from their own free will, not ordering them to fight. And he at first he was like, I I, I want to be military police. I don't want to fight. I don't want to die. But then he decided, like, he made the right choice to be like, I'm going to be a fighter. I'm going to be a warrior. I'm not going to be a coward and run away. And that's where the character turned for the better, for sure. Exactly. I think season three, he has that final moment uh, at the end, near the end of that season. Or I guess it's going to be the middle. Season three is such an, like, a, when I think about it, like, in timeline-wise, I'm like, it feels like it's, like, the end of one season and the beginning of another, like, t- tagged together. But it still works as, like, one yeah. whole plot thread. I, I think it's just the, the way that it's, like, laid out. But yeah, like in, the, in season three, after the um, they uh, uh, basically acquire the colossal titan, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's kind of where you see the last bit of like the old version of him. Yeah, exist. I think and he even has a that, flashback to his original hesitance for a moment there. Yeah, I think he does, and so uh, it's like that moment onwards, he's a completely like I think he's he's like finalized his transformation into yeah. uh, into like a true member of the scout regiment. Hundred percent. And next up at 18, we have Gabi. Gabi's great. She's uh, I, I look at her as a, uh, so similar to Eren, yeah. that unwavering commitment to fighting, and she has a fury and a rage inside of her. She's a fun character. She does she really yeah. feels like a, a foil to Eren. She she's what Eren could have been. She 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 connected with the other people, and 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 and. and, and even despite how much she thought she hated them, yeah, she she still like at the end, uh, uh, like learned to understand what Aaron couldn't, and she sniped his head off. Yeah, that was, pretty, <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> that was such a watching that episode. I was, with like, Aaron, I was like, 
His head's flying in the air in slow it's motion. Spinning. I was like, what the uh, yeah. fuck? I thought he was dead that time. Oh my god. She's great. Season with four great sniper. So many just like insane yeah. shots. So many yeah, fucking and, great shots. Out of, yeah. out of context moments too. Yeah. All the memes that came out when that show was going on were <laughs> in- hilarious. It's so funny. Uh but she, but she's great. I thought I found her a little annoying in the first Marley sequences. Just yeah. a little like how Aaron was annoying in the first season sometimes. Absolutely. Just being overly There's dramatic. There- yeah, just That's, screaming every line. <laughs> yeah, she's like if 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 she's like I'm gonna kill someone's like every other line. Yeah, legit. But she, she I look I look at her as a, a counterpart to Aaron absolutely. And then we have uh next up seventeen peak peak's great. Just you know not nearly as much screen time as pretty much anyone else, but she's a great useful tool, uh, very helpful especially in the final confrontations. What I like about her Titan is the endurance, how she's able to uh, turn into the Titan over and over and over again, um, unlike anyone else, which comes in handy. But um, she's great. She's really useful in combat with the armor on top of her. And I love how they throw the huge fifty, the huge caliber um, guns on top of her. Like those, like those rounds, this like a foot wide round in diameter rounds, like taking out Titans. I thought that was really great. And I love how they showed how the advancement of technology and warfare in the military was almost was just about to take a, um become more powerful than titans and titans were going to be basically useless compared yeah. to the technology yeah i, I think i i found her character to be really interesting just cuz of she, like she's one of those characters who was so quiet you didn't really under like know what her thoughts were on it yeah uh, and i and i think i like that i i like i like the mystery round of her character where like she doesn't seem like she has ill intentions. She just looks like she's doing what she thinks is right. And uh, I think, weirdly enough, she might, even though she's like arguably has the weirdest Titan, and like <laughs> it even affects her in her like regular life. Yeah, walking she's on form, her and she's, like, she's like, oh, hi, Pac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, like, I think she's like arguably the one of the most normal people in the show. Like, where, uh, like, she doesn't, like, she has, she's like the least. Uh, uh, Immoral, ar- ar- archetypal. Least, yeah, and I, I, I just always thought she was really interesting. So when she, whenever she was on screen, I'm like, I don't know what's gonna happen here because she's, she's just such a mystery of a character. Yeah, since they, they, they don't like, I guess, publicize her, her thoughts like they do with other characters. Yeah, she wasn't given as much attention in the story as many others, but she did. She was massively important in the action sequences. The the whole setup with the 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 cannons and turrets on, mm-hmm. on her back. Yeah, it's great. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. That's I'm, badass. I can't deny that. That's pretty. <laughs> and then uh, next up at sixteen, Historia. Historia is a really great character. Uh, she does basically disappear by the fourth season, essentially. Uh, but her arc of becoming the uh, of us learning that she is royal blood and she's the the rightful heir to the throne of of. Uh, uh, parody. I thought it was a great uh, setup. I thought it was a great story. Uh, her history, uh, no pun intended, for <laughs> was great. But I do think that I was I missed her in the fourth season. I absolutely missed her. I agree. Her. I, yeah. That was like the 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 fourth seasons was doing so much mm-hmm. that like I, I she's one of the characters who got left by the wayside. Yeah. Uh, also, but at the same time, if they if they included her, they would need more episodes. Yeah. Because they were already stretched like out so much like if they if they if they added like another main character who they'd have to cover 
uh, it wouldn't have worked. So yeah. I understand how she, why she got left to the wayside. Yeah. It, w- it would be impossible to manage the story with her included into there. Hundred percent. Like I, but totally I, I feel like she should have been involved. Her. Like, yeah. she's still one of the top scout members. Like, she can fight. Yeah, and, and it was well it was great else. that she, it was great that she killed her dad in front of um, the other people. To yeah. like, she proved herself, and it was important for people to be like, oh, like we can follow this. A- new any leader. any any question about her loyalty or or, yeah. or or who she was 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 done then and there. Yeah. Um, and that that entire sequence in that crystal cave um, under the chapel, I, I love that sequence in her decision not to kill Eren and to basically end this cycle of power that the yeah. Rice fam that the Rice family had been overseeing for you know, decades upon decades. And I thought it was great for her to finally take a stand and be like, "I'm ending this cycle once and for all." She's a very passive character for a lot of the story, but mm-hmm. in in season three and four, she really like takes over. Uh, I, yeah, as as a truly like, like strong figure who is like, like even with the whole agreement and like that they have about like she needs to get pregnant or whatever, she's like doing it of her own choice, chooses her own husband. Yeah, and and uh, so like it, for her, she was like, this isn't like me being forced to do anything. This is uh, she she has a choice, and and I think that her her character, um, despite being left out, I think they did they still did her justice by the way they wrote her. And she was actually vital for the audience understanding the power of eliminating memories um, yes. with her sister erasing her memories whenever she visited her so that the audience can understand the power of the Founding Titan to be able to erase the memories or change and mod- modify the me- memories of people. So I thought it was she was vital to the plot um, in that regard. Next up, we have Bertolt, uh, the first Colossal Titan that we saw. Um, as a Colossal Titan, he's shocking and it's one of the most exciting moments of the entire series is his appearance um and it was an unbelievable reveal when it was revealed that he was the colossal as well as rhino being the um armor titan uh, but bear told um compared to rhino not as interesting still great but like uh, rhino really stole the show uh, com- uh, out of the three of those titans with annie involved it was rhino who was by far uh the most interesting and well-written character with uh more of a motivation and story than bear told but bear told was still great yeah, it's it, I think Bertolt is such an interesting character because he's so subdued and timid for l- the majority of the series. Yeah, um, and I like it's it's uh, at fr- like obviously at first you think it's his personality, but it's almost like he like that was his way of of keeping a barrier between him and the rest of the scouts and not forming those attachments, and why he's really the one character out of that uh, of the group that infiltrated uh, uh, the wall that didn't didn't i guess didn't last like he he was since since he passed since he dies um he's the one character who like didn't really express any like true uh 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 resent not, not resentment but a remorse for for what's happened like he said it but like it, it he's like one of the like you can tell like it like there was like a level of it, it, he doesn't have the same level of of conflict about it as like annie or or reiner had and he's not as much even close as the warrior, and he doesn't have the resolve of either Annie or or Reiner, Rain, yeah. Reina. You know, what I mean, he didn't he didn't seem like he was like a born fighter. And sometimes I was like, why was he chosen as the colossal um, in Marley? Um, because he wasn't like high, highly motivated as much as them to kill. Even though he, I think it's because despite him not having the motivation. 
he can have the apathy to do th- certain yeah. things that because being the colossal titan, you there's a certain level of mm-hmm. uh, 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 of weight to that because your transformation is a nuke. Um, is 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 a nuke. So like for you to to understand that being the colossal titan comes with being the greatest weapon known to the world at that point. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. All right, and next so, up. I, no. Yeah, and so I, I think I, I think that that also has a, a weighing on his psyche that might not necessarily be explored. Yeah, and we see that heavily with Armin when he becomes the yes. colossal. All right, next up we have Sasha at fourteen, who is just a delight and a breath of fresh air with her comedy, her hijinks, and her adoration of food. And some of the funniest moments of the series are her trying to eat, uh, like that steak sequence. It's meat. Is <laughs> very funny. Like eating the other, trying to eat the other guy's hand. Is she's just so funny. And I was so pissed when she died. I was like, that's why. That, that's why I rank Gabi lower because she killed Sasha. I was like, yeah. God damn it, Sasha's yeah, she, dead. Uh, Gabi, like I had to like finish the series and like have a little bit of space before I could like actually <laughs> appreciate her character. Because like I finished the show, I'm like, fuck this. Bitch. I'm, I'm, I'm so sick of her. I'm sick of her. I'm still not over Gabi killing her. Like I know I, it's I mean, it's that's that's that uh, one's like still I I all the scouts like all that that yeah. the main the main group like I it's the uh, that's like one of the few things I I, I like would con- I would want to change it as a fan. <laughs> I'm like I don't want I don't want Sasha to die. What? That was my hardest death taken. Like Hanji oh, was for sure. Hanji was a tough death too, but she went out swinging. You know, whereas yeah. Sasha just took a, a bullet to the chest by yeah, surprise. Like, it was just so yeah. The and and the the way they also wrote just everything else around that is so interesting. Cause you know they say uh, Connie and, and and Sasha are twins. They're they're two halves of the same person. Um, in the moment where Connie goes to tell everyone, he's only crying from from one eye because oh. his other half's gone. Oh so, man! So 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 his tears only come from one eye. Uh, wow, I didn't even and, notice that. And so like there's there's a lot a lot of imagery like the rest of the series of like only half of him doing something. Speaking of Connie, he's here at number 13 next up. Uh he's uh he's just like ridiculous cuz he'll he'll try to say jokes and they're never funny at yeah. the most awkward times. Like when the house I, I, when the I houses are raining. I love Connie's character. He's like it's eavesdropping <laughs> and like people He are really dying. is just like that he's just like the most I think he genuinely is the most normal person who showed up to yeah. the, I think he, he's, he's the, like the most, most innocent too. Group. Yeah. Yeah. He's the most relatable, and he doesn't do much in the first season aside from just being part of the gang, but I think that he gets a lot more screen time, and I ended up really loving him by the end. And when him and John were standing on that mountaintop and they're about to be turned into Titans from the gas, I was like, no! I know. I was I was so mad. I was like, I swear to God, if they kill Connie and John, I'm going to be I know. so pissed. I was so happy when we found out that they were able – that they turned back to people. I was like, thank yeah. God. I didn't want Connie and John to die. But I ended up loving Connie a lot by the end. He's great. And then at number 12, we have Annie, uh, the the female Titan, the first Titan that's revealed to us as being a member of Parody, uh, the biggest, one of the early twists of the show. Um, I think Annie was great. Uh, something that does hold her back from being higher on this list is that she's basically pris- imprisoned for half the season, half the show. I think it's over that. Yeah, I, I think it's like I, she, three she, seasons. So it's like she goes through season one and then yeah. doesn't show up again until halfway into four. So it's like yeah. two and a half. Yeah. So it's like, I think it's like – so you can say the majority of the series basically. But her Titan's great. And the battles yeah. between her and Eren, they have two fights are fantastic. 
especially I love the one in the forest they have. That battle is really epic. Oh yeah, that's that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, where he like he really starts to use the training he got from yeah. from Reiner. And it was great where and he realized he recognized her fighting style, and that was one yeah. of the first major hints that it was Annie. Um, but then also, I predicted it was Annie before her reveal because the t the Titan looked just it looks like just her. Just like her, yeah. And then also, I remembered the fighting scene that they had in training, and I was I put those two things together. I was like, I bet I bet that's Annie because also Aaron turning into the Titan um, after he was devoured. Um, when that Titan was revealed, I was like, that looks so much like Aaron. It has to yeah. be. It has to be Aaron because it is behaving in a different way. It because it was fighting. I was like, yeah. Aaron, all he does is fight, so it's going to be Aaron. So uh, those two colossal, I mean, those two Titan reveals weren't very big twists for me. So right after Annie, we have Hanji at 11. Hanji was like this evolution of like this maniacal, silly character. But also throughout the course of the series, we saw that she was a great leader and an incredible warrior as well. And so I thought she was one of the most interesting characters with all these different layers and personality traits. I loved Hanji. Yeah, I I didn't know what to expect out of Hanji. She was one of those characters where like I was season one, I was suspicious of her. I'm like, I, <laughs> like something's not right about how her. interested she was in the Titans. Yeah, like she has like a really weird like uh, interest in the Titans, and it's like, and it's like almost sadistic the way that she was like treating them, and like there was like a level of like insanity to it. Uh, and you realize that's just who she is as a person. She's just like a, a really just eclectic, just like obsessive person and and so titans were her obsession and as as those got demystified we got to see her kind of just become more of a normal person mm -hmm. and become an actual like character and leader once once that obsession satisfied you got to see like the uh the other facets of her and how how can she how she can be an opera as a leader and she probably had the best death in the whole series i would say just going out taking out colossal titans Going up in flames, I I cried when she died. I got emotional. Yeah, and it cuts to it cuts to the afterlife or mm -hmm. or, or uh, oh my pads. god, yes. And it's every everyone's there waiting for her. Uh. I was like, oh. And then Aaron's like, we have plenty of time to talk about it. Yeah. Talk about it. I was like, oh my god. I almost thought Eli died at the end when they showed up, and then they disappeared. I was like, fuck. Oh my god, he's not dead, is he? Yeah. Well, Levi, was... I thought Levi died twice, so I'm. I, a, I, 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 I know you knew like if, if they killed <laughs> Levi, I think I think the fan base would have won. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up after Hanji, we have Kenny at number ten. This great surprise wild card of a character who showed up out of nowhere, but ended up being way more important than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was just going to be this gunslinging villain, but he ended up becoming, uh, as we know, uh, we learn he was an Ackerman. He was part of that line, and then his connection to Mikasa. Uh, and uh, and also with Levi raising Eli when he was uh, being his nephew when he was a little malnourished little kid. And also I was wondering why Levi was so short for so long. And then you learn about his backstory of being malnourished and underdeveloped because of his kid when he was a kid. Um, Kenny trained him. And I, I thought that was just a wonderful, wonderful character. What a great antagonist who ended up being someone like you also rooted for. Yeah. Because he wasn't even necessarily a villain. I think I think he's like one of the epitomes of like the the product of that world. A tool. Yeah, he's he was he, he became a tool for uh uh just the everything wrong with with the original version of parody before it was it was taken over. Where he's like like Levi shouldn't have been raised that way, and and so 
and, and even Kenny was aware of it. Um, like after Levi had had started that fight and and, and won, uh, he real like he was like one Levi can take care of himself, but he's also not the father figure he should have been for Levi, and so he leaves and and just fully accepts what he is. And 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 so when he when he comes in, this is a guy who's gone through this journey already, and he's such an interesting character. Where there's uh, despite the way he betrays himself, there's a lot of layers to him. Yeah, and he actually, I mean, he he chose to die rather than continue living as a titan. Um, I thought that was a great choice because when he had the syringe next to him, I was like, oh fuck, Levi's gonna be a titan, and I, ironically, he would have survived given the culmination of the events. Well, actually, they probably would have killed him because they, they did eradicate parody of. Titans at uh, at the end of season three, um, but I thought it was a great choice. Like it showed a lot of depth to him, where he wasn't just this gunslinger, and also the connection he had to his team and his squad who he he trained. Um, I, I thought it was a great character, and he was just such a nice surprise in season three. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean I, I think one the sequence with him and his squad versus Levi is is my favorite action scene in the series. Fuck yeah! And so and, and so the uh uh the the, the way that they introduce him, the way that they that they like betray his backstory and his in in his thoughts and then his the and his death, I think was just perfectly executed to where this is how you introduce a major character who is. For, for their intended purpose and then remove them from the story in such a in, in such a great way that has a lasting impact without without like just a random character becoming so important and then being gone like yeah, I, I think I yeah. think he they give him the appropriate time and he has the appropriate impact nothing more nothing less than what he needs and then they they move on from his character and having a connection to two very important characters in Levi and Mikasa exactly we, we get so much more information about the whole Ackerman family because of him all right, next up we have Reyna at number nine, the Armored Titan. Uh, for a while, the Armored Titan was just such a, a devastating force for everybody to handle, especially the scouts, and learning that it was Reyna and kind of being the leader of that gang of Mar- uh, Marley, and El- Marley and Eldians who basically were sent to parody to uh, basically exterminate all the devil Eldians there. Um, I-, I just loved Reyna. It's funny, the job did such a great job the show did such a great job of showing you like these characters that you thought were just like minor supporting characters in the first season. Like, oh, it's Rhina. He has a couple lines here and there. He's like part of the scouts. Yeah, he's 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 cool. And then it ends up being he becomes one of the biggest forces in the story. I thought it was just so brilliant and so well written. And it was always it was my one of the biggest shocks for me was Rhina being the armor titan. I thought it was fantastic. And just that really? when he tells when he tells Aaron on top of the wall and then Aaron's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. He it's says crazy. it so casually. He's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I'm the armor titan and they're told to the colossal." <laughs> like, Aaron's like, "What? Wait, what did you say?" <laughs> I saw this, you sent me that TikTok. Did you send me that TikTok? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this this guy who just be pretending. He's like, oh, what's up, bro? See you later. By the way, I'm the Colossal. By the way, I'm the Armored. What? What? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Catch you later, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that guy who I said you is, is like my favorite, one of my favorite TikTokers. He's been like doing comedy skits like that for like two, three years, and they still hit like every <laughs> single time. It's so funny. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> All right, yeah. next up, we. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Get Sorry, Reiner. I was going to say, Reiner, uh, this is one of the people I'm going to disagree with you with. I think he should be a lot higher up on this list. Mm-hmm. I love Reiner. 
or Rhina, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Because I know some, the dub, the dub, like, uh, like tries to like stay true to the Japanese pronunciations, but I think he's just supposed to be Reiner. But either way, uh, he, I, I think he's just such a fascinating character with his motivations, with the way he's written. I, I think b- b- behind Aaron, in terms of like straight character writing, I think he's the most interesting character in the in the series. Yeah, and his, and then you learn about his, like I did love learning about his backstory. Yeah. How he was raised, and then he, Eddie, and and Peak and Bertold being like this defense system for Marley against the the Mid East Alliance, like that. That was a great action yeah. sequence. Them versus the Mid East Army, um, in at the beginning of season four, like seeing how they were weapon weapons of war. I love that. I thought it was so cool. And him, he's kind of basically he's basically the leader of them. And yeah, yeah he, he's great. he is like the their the Aaron of that group where he's probably like on some level is probably the least qualified of these people. There's not a whole lot uh, that quote unquote makes him special, which is kind of like the, the argument they have. And Aaron had kind of has the same thing where it's like, he doesn't have the type if he doesn't have his Titan powers. Um, he's just, a, he's skilled, but like ever, so is everyone else. Uh, uh, but he doesn't have like, that's why Armin's so special. He's so intelligent. Mikasa's an Ackerman. She's got these physical gifts that no one has. Uh, everyone else kind of had like a unique thing about them. And, and I think that him and Aaron kind of, that's, that's why uh, Reiner made it, it became so hard for him is when he met Aaron, he's like, this is me. This is, he is, he is just me going through the same thing I did when I, when he became a warrior, how he was told that he's not one of the top candidates, how he's, what well how he's not special and then uh he's but then his his sheer will alone made him the driving force of everything yeah i can't remember the fourth guy's name but he marcel Marcel, he basically he said that he made his little brother look bad yeah in training to make so that so that um rhina rhina could take his place so rhina didn't even really deserve to be the colossal titan in his eyes so he had this underdog chip on his shoulder yeah, there's they they're both underdogs in within their own uh, uh, teams and uh, uh, and just the way that they both come around to, as Aaron says in season four, uh, we're the same person. We uh, you're I'm doing the exact same thing that you did four years ago, uh, and they're both they're both now extremely aware of it. And now, uh, even though Aaron's gone, Reiner now has the chance to try and correct what he did something that is the exact opposite of what he wanted he was going to kill himself at, at the very beginning of season four. oh yeah and he he had the gun loaded and falco just hearing him is the only reason he stopped he's he, had, and, he lost the will to fight and live you're right yeah and so he's he's the exact opposite in terms of even though they're the same person they take the exact opposite uh, uh directions aaron aaron is now full in on his plan and is going to die doing it while uh, Reiner finally uh, uh, has the will to to resist the uh, the uh, the brainwashing essentially that he had for so long and and do the exact opposite do 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 the opposite of what he was told to do his entire life while Aaron did just kept following what his father or, or what it's what really ended up being him his own footsteps uh, and it's it's uh, I think he's just such an interesting character he's he's like the ultimate foil to Aaron. In That's... terms of, they follow the same path originally, and then they get to a, a fork of either going all in or or trying to make amends, and they and they both travel those two paths. Separately. One of my one of my favorite scenes is uh, Aaron and Rhina uh, in that 
in that room outside the opera. And then he, he realizes that it's this guy with the long hair is Aaron. And I was like, oh, my God. This yeah, is and all, then Aaron all, turns. All the emotions that he's, like, running through. Yeah. You're like, holy. I mean, like, like, I don't know what's about to happen. Yeah. that was That's what I loved. Yeah. One of my favorite parts about the whole show was that that moment with him and Aaron and then Aaron um, turning Titan. I was just like, this is fucking great. It was so good. And then yeah, contrasting it with the opera and him just appearing and, and killing the, the guy on stage, I was like, this is fucking nuts. So yeah, it's, good. It's so incredible. All right, next up we have Ervin, uh, the leader of the scouts. Not very present in the first season, but he becomes so vital in the second and third seasons. An inspiring leader. Um, so He's a symbol of, of hope for all the scouts, and, and they look to him for uh, his commanding. Uh, prowess and he he's someone who is just and moral and and good and even cap even levi needs him as a leader you know what i mean exactly and one of one of the most incredible moments of the entire show is ervin's charge with his men with his scouts sorry men and women with the scouts and charging at the beast titan knowing they're all riding to their death they're all gonna die but it gives levi an opportunity to take the beast out and that speech he gives, one um, of the greatest monologues yeah, I've unbelievable. ever heard. Unbelievable! Like I was like screaming, "Let's go!" Yeah, I'm like, "Yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm on the super wall." Like, like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> oh my god! Because yeah. like they and they all knew they were gonna die, but they they he inspired them to just face their death. Because Zeke was annihilating them and destroying every structure and building with throwing with his baseball pitching prowess. So he's he's got a great right arm. And the onslaught of those of those stones on them was just devastating, and and I was just like I was so inspired. I was like I would have been in that charge too if he Absolutely. said that to me. Like he was yeah. just so inspiring. Yeah, I, I Ervin is is was one of my favorite characters, and and I think it's so interesting. Also, just when I'm as a thought exercise when I was like watching season four was what's what what's Ervin's perspective on these events? What is what is what are his thoughts, and. Uh, for everything that he was, part of me, uh, like there's a small part of me, I'm like, I can't, part of me feels like he'd almost like agree with the Jaegerists. I think, I think in the end he wouldn't have, but there's like a part of him, I know the way that he just perceived the world at that point. Uh, uh, I'm like, he, the, his, he almost would align with the Jaegerists, I think on, on some levels, but he's, he, the, the way that I think that he knew who he was as a person and and knew that and I, I feel like he had foresight that not a lot of characters had. He had the foresight to anticipate a world that's not going to be welcoming to them. And I and I and he in in his final moments knows that uh, like is still thinks he's fighting. And 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 he's he he had the same problem that Aaron did where he just keeps on fighting uh, even even when he was about to die or when even when he was dying. Uh, and he and he assumed he, like he he just in his own mind was still fighting. No, that's and a great I, I, attribute, but also a flaw. Yeah, it's 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 a great attribute yeah. for him in that moment. But when you get to season four, what does that develop into? Yeah. So, yeah. What made him a great leader was that he he put himself on the battlefield too, and he risked his life, and his soldiers saw that. Like he got his arm bit off, and he got attacked multiple times. But Levi chose Armin to become the colossal because. I think he saw that risk that Aaron could have ended up having where it's like he had this darkness to him about the future 
and a grim outlook, whereas Armin was still filled with hope uh, and it, it was inspired to see the good in humanity. And that's ultimately why I think Levi chose Armin over over um, Ervin. Yeah. He he says, I believe in season four, this is like, at, I, this might have been actually, I think this is during the finale. Um, Levi delivers a line to himself um, in his head where he says that Armin has the look in his eyes that Ervin did. Yes. And, uh, and I think that's so true. And I, and I, uh, and I, uh, it's, it's so interesting to me, uh, the, the, the parallels just between, um, Ervin and Armin and just the way that those characters kind of, uh, 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 can't, it's not even a parallel. It's, it's the way that they connect and the way that they're viewed by everyone else And, and how, uh, they they have the same base, but because Ervin is already uh, like an adult, he's like in his thirties. He doesn't he's, he or, or I don't even know how old he is exactly. Um, the, uh, he is I think al- 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 already corrupted by the world that that he grew up in, and and everything he had seen up to that point. That um, just ideologically and through the experiences they had, Armin had to be that person because Levi's seen that Ervin has just been in constant conflict his entire life and o- only ever wanted to uh, 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 to to fight. While Armin was like literally s- did not want to be a scout regiment member. He only joined because Mikasa and Aaron were doing it. So Good I point. think I think it's like even in the end, Armin never wanted to fight in the beginning. Yeah. It, like and and I think that's what made him different. Is, Levi, is, Levi is, saw that he had responsibility. Le, yeah, Levi mm. saw he had foresight, and and he was in 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 uh, unlike Ervin, does not want to sacrifice anyone else for the yeah. for the end goal. Yeah. He's he he um he's only willing to sacrifice himself for it, and I think that's that what's what made, what made the difference was, um while Ervin uh would sacrifice his men despite him being for the right cause and 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 all that, um Armin would never even consider it. Great point. And I, th- right. I think that's what makes him so different. I agree. All right, next up at number seven, we have Emir, the founder, the founding Titan. I There's so much mystery built up about her, and I ended up really adoring the backstory and her character arc because she is a character defined by irony. She's a character. She's a, she was given the power of the founding Titan. She was a god on Earth, and yet she still remained loyal and obedient to a man. Um, and we learned this because she loved him and she spent 2000 years in that, uh, the founding Titan realm. I'm not sure. I can't remember what you call it. Basically it's just, just called the connections. The con- or yeah. Yeah. Something so, like that. Yeah. Something like that. Coordinate the coordinate. Well, yeah. the coordinate is at the center, the center. Yeah, so yeah. In, in that, in that realm, the coordinate yeah. is that center and what, what gotcha. actually, I guess, connects all the, um, Eldians. And I found it so fascinating that because she was basically almost she wasn't born to slavery, but she lived most of her life as a slave to the Eldians. And the irony of being a god on Earth with insurmountable power, but still being obedient and subservient to a human being. I thought it was such a great irony and really interesting to play on on power dynamics and the will of others imposed on you. And it was it was so fascinating, and I, I ultimately saw her, I I was leading into the finale thinking it was going to be Aaron versus Emir. I thought it was going to be like 
Like you thought Mir was going to be the big bad that they. Yeah, yeah, and Aaron would have to go up against her. But ultimately, I I did end up liking how it turned out, um, and her kind of essentially being a victim, and being driven to what she was, and it really just being this founding Titan god like being is like ultimately the the power uh, of the main antagonizing force of the story. But I thought Emir's story was really so fascinating. Yeah, she she's such a fascinating character because on, on top of like everything we know about her, we don't even know exactly what is true about what the events actually were that that caused everything because we're only ever seeing memories, which as the show constantly shows are never going to be 100% accurate. None of, the, none of the memories that are shown are uh, uh, an exact portrayal of the events. It's what's remembered. And uh, I, I like the idea of, of a little bit of everything is true with her character. There, um, I, I, the way that I've interpreted is she as a person is who the Eldians described her as this, this benevolent person who truly wanted to, to, to give people a safe place to, 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 for, for peace. She wants peace, but her, in reality, she, she loved this man who did not want the same thing as her. This is, this is a, a man who wanted to abuse her power and, and did so. And, and and made and made the Eldian Empire what it what everyone else perceived it as. And so I and that's kind of the way I take it as is she this is the person, but she was manipulated into being what the Marleans and the rest of the world see her as. And, and she she goes into the theme of freedom of the whole story of her losing her freedom and yeah. being powerless to her her servitude to this man. And Aaron's the one who makes her see freedom once once more, helps her break free from that. And that's why. I thought it was so brilliant how Zeke could no found out that he could no longer control her or order her because she was free then. Yeah, I I, th I think it's really interesting that the idea that the person to break her out was someone who wasn't royal fan, royal mm -hmm. blood. It, it, it's just like uh, uh, this is one of the messages I think that's not as much as a focus focal point in the series, but it's that it doesn't matter who your bloodline is or who you're related to, you you can still make those changes. So mm -hmm. like the. Characters who like are alive at the end of the series, um, with the, certain exclusions like the uh, the Ackermans and like Armin, most of the characters who are alive are like the most ordinary people, and it's that's it, 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 and it should like uh, it, it shows that you don't have, or I guess persisting the the theme of you don't need to be special to succeed to to make changes and all that and i think that aaron being able to reach out to emir is is one of those examples where he doesn't have royal blood but he's still able to to reach out and connect with her as a human he had that uh, he's that iron will man yeah all right next up we have grisha grisha jaeger very mysterious character for a very for the first half of the series we really only saw him a couple of times and then we just kept focusing on that memory that that key that he held in his the necklace and the tease about the cellar. And I was just like, I thought we were going to learn about the cellar by the end of season one, but it was like season three. I was like, oh my God, we waited so long. Uh, but it was a great yeah. reveal. But Grisha's story is insane because we end up learning that he's from the distant lands outside the wall and he traveled on foot to the walls. And I was just like, that reveal was so mind-blowing to me. And then his entire backstory with his previous family, with Zeke, uh, with Marley, I was just so floored. And then his story, his story gave the audience the information and the reveal that 
Titans were once Eldians on Marley, who were then transformed by the Marley powers uh, and sent towards the wall as a line of defense against the Eldians on Paradis. And I was just, I was so shocked. It was one of the most incredible twists of the series, which is full of mind-blowing twists. Yeah, I think Grisha is such a fascinating character because um, he's he's such a uh, just intensely passionate person uh, that like it's uh, it, it, and he's constantly manipulated, which is which is such a interesting thing because you said you spend the first three seasons thinking like he is the the driving force behind this entire story, where once you reach the end of season three and and you watch season four. You realize he's just—he really is just a pawn in all of this. He—he he is just uh, being uh, uh, Aaron's he's just pawn. He's Aaron's pawn. He—he <laughs> he, uh, every single thing he does is is uh, led by Aaron, uh, and uh, I I think he's just such a fascinating character that like he like was so devout devoted to this cause of restoring Eldia that he he is fully and having seen the memories of of Aaron uh uh also being shown just what he wants to see uh th- he he's all in he's like I know what's going to happen and I'm still going to do it the uh uh his, he he had so much foresight into this by uh by the especially by the time that he gives Aaron the uh, uh his titan the uh he knows exactly what's going to happen and 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 still is a Humberson on the plan, which is so interesting. I I really do wonder what Grisha's thoughts were would be on this finale. On yeah, because he has plans. that line where he says Aaron's gonna get everything he wanted. Yeah, to Zeke. He never really communicates yeah. what he wants outside of he says he wants. I think he he obviously wants to restore Elodia, but once we're past that stage. And he sees the future and and all of this. I I I'm I'm very curious. To see, he's one of those characters where I'm like, I would I wish we got more time with him. Yeah, because th- that's how great he is, and his life is a fucking roller coaster. Like he, he, the ups and downs of his life and the transformations he had to go through. And um, I love how, you know, Zeke saw him as a a horrible father who forgot him and moved on. But then when he sees the photo. When he sees Grisha crying at the photo that he kept secret from um, Aaron and his and his wife, and he saw that Grisha never lost that love for his first family, that was such a powerful moment. Um, but for Grisha's decisions, I think that he was a he became a slave to to the futility of his actions and the inevitability of the outcome when Aaron showed it to him, and so Grisha decided this is what will be and i have no power anymore so i'm gonna do it do what my son tells me to do i think that was really what was motivating him to kill the rice family when he after he first spared them yeah there's so many of his actions that are like just aaron but they're telling him what to do so like going back to some of the series even though they don't imply that aaron is there influencing him there's moments where you think back like that's definitely aaron being involved so like the first time uh, so when when the uh, when uh, uh, Aaron ends up being close to the Ackermans cabin and ends up finding the Ackermans, uh, I, I think I feel like it's safe to assume to that Grisha was knew knew that was happening and so knew knew how to set themselves up to go. So Aaron meets Mikasa and mm-hmm. and meets Armin because uh, uh, the the previous the owl 
uh, uh, who who passes on the attack titan to him, tells him to go find Armin and Mikasa before he uh, uh, before Grisha first transforms. So this is like he this is set up like decades ahead of time before they're even born. He's like these are people that you need to meet, uh, or or you need to introduce your son to, and and so Grisha sets Aaron up to be in a situation where he meets the people he needs to meet. Which is so, it's even on the minute level of social interaction. It's social, everything about Aaron's life is socially engineered by the, by future Aaron through, it's all, through Grisha. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all like the grandfather paradox of in- inevitability where it has to happen because it already has happened. Exactly. I think that's such a fascinating part of the story that it, it just, everything is, is, is just cyclical. Yeah, it, it, all, it all comes back to another moment. Man, it's fucking great. <laughs> so All right, next up we have at number five, Zeke Jaeger, another member of the Jaeger family, Grisha's first son. Uh, one of my favorite twists of the show was revealing that Zeke was the Beast Titan and then that Zeke was Aaron's half-brother. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Because the first time he saw the Beast Titan, he showed up outside and he spoke to one of the scouts before he killed him. I can't remember the the name of that scout, but he's uh, yeah. yeah. But he was speaking normally. He's like, "What's that funny? What's that thing you're wearing? How does it make you fly?" And yeah. I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I remember seeing that live, and I was like, well, "Okay." I'm like, I, I didn't I didn't assume he was a Titan shifter at first, so I was yeah. like, "They talk." <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, "What?" I I thought it was like uh when my first initial guess was it was like a founding Titan. Yeah, just or like, like a really yeah. ancient one. You yeah, know? and then we I end up being so wrong, and then after that, I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna theorize anymore. I'm yeah, just gonna- honestly, after once we get the Zeke reveal, we're like, I got nothing, I got no idea. Yeah, I have no well, idea. I'm, what's I'm going just on. find out when 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 the show tells me. <laughs> but, but but Zeke's a great character. His story is so well written. There's so many layers to it. It's complex. Uh, he goes through great turmoil. Uh, first, like we mentioned earlier, being kind of conditioned by his father to be the savior of the Eldian people betraying his family, ratting on his mother and father, sentencing them to the punishment of becoming titans to walk parody endlessly. And then also coming up with the plan of euthanizing all of the Eldians and then being Eren's main antagonist for a while until they join forces. Him thinking that Eren was on his side the entire time, but Eren having ulterior motives all along. But he ended up being such an imposing force against uh, the scouts and against the Eldians. He was horribly brutal in combat. Such a difficult brute to take down. Only Levi could do it. Uh, He did it twice, and I was just like, fuck yeah, let's go. Um, But I loved Zeke, and it was was always such an interesting back and forth between Eren and Zeke. And some of my favorite scenes were the scenes they shared. And then I love, like, connecting the baseball, because the first things we see the bees doing are throwing the crumbled up rocks as his main use of uh, artillery and throwing it like a pitcher. And I was always like, why is he throwing it like a baseball pitcher? And then we, he plays and, baseball and, and then it connects to him having playing catch as a kid uh, yeah. on Marley. And I was just like, this is unbelievable. It's so cool. They connect all these things together. Um, I love how they don't it, even like uh, explicitly tell you that either. Like yeah. you have to, you, you as a viewer have to put that together of them showing the scenes of catch. You're like, Oh, that's why he like, that's why his it's his main thing. Yeah, is is just because of these scenes that exist, and they're never going to explicitly tell you that though. And so the first time he's throwing like that is against um, the scouts before Ervin charges, and he says he references baseball. He like says, 
I can't remember exactly what he says, but it's a, it's a reference to like something in baseball. And then I was like, okay, baseball exists somewhere. It, it either exists in the past or it exists somewhere out there. And so for me, that was a huge hint that there was civilization beyond the walls. Yeah. Because he's referencing baseball, not just with the motion, but with his words. And I was like, okay, there's, there's, there's a history of baseball somewhere in this world. Yeah, there's that, something, I was there's like something bigger going going yeah. on because like mm-hmm. this is this clearly doesn't exist in their culture. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, the Zeke is just such a fascinating character. Like, just everything about him. Where even when he betrayed his parents, it wasn't because he thinks his parents like were uh, were uh, uh, necessarily in the wrong. Him him betraying them and and what he assumes is them going to get turned into titans. Uh, he thinks it's still all part of the greater good, and and not not just as like a being loyal to Marley. This is in like I don't even know. I'm I'm really fascinated to to know like when Zeke became the character that that we see him as as an adult, because we don't really necessarily see that transformation or how he as a person changed to become like that. When he came because up with his plan, with his, when, with, like, the, with, yeah, with the yeah with the euthanization plan, while like he's like he, I want to save Eldians. Um, he doesn't like he doesn't want to kill the Eldians. And, but like that wouldn't, that that's not apparent. Like when he betrays his parents and turns them in. So I'm, I'm so curious to, to, to like see the, the evolution of that character and, and or, 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 like, like what, how, what's ticking? Like we don't, he's also one of the few characters we don't get to hear a lot of his internal dialogue or, or his interior monologue. Uh, yeah, uh, him and him and Aaron in the final season, like are, we don't get any more of their uh, thoughts. We just yeah. hear what they tell people, which is, which is, how it should be because uh if we get their uh, 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 inner monologue then we know the the whole plan but uh it's it, it zeke is is such a fascinating character in in the way that he is portraying himself as a villain but it, at the same time as the other marleyans or the, the 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 warriors who who arrive on parody to go take the founding titan back He's the only one who actually wants to save the Eldians. The rest of them do think they're devils and want to kill them. But Zeke has ulterior motives when he's there. And it's not until later on that everyone else starts getting on board with that. So Zeke kind of went in on a different mission from everyone else, which I, I think is yeah. something never really discussed that much. And I love um, he's as an adult, he's defined by his father's supposed abandonment of him and rejection of him and then one of my favorite sequences was basically the christmas carol sequence of him and aaron tracing grisha's memories and walking through the memories and observing and zeke walked into that thinking we're gonna see grisha being this horrible father to me a man who left his family betrayed me and never thought about me again and he just cared he just washed his hands of me but aaron's like it's not what you think man and then he then they keep seeing the memories of grisha basically being forced into his hand of having to leave and then the regretting deeply and a day went by where he didn't miss his his former family and his his previous wife and his previous son and that really struck a chord with him a man who was defined by his father's rejection realizing that his father still loved him to the very end exactly grisha was absolutely a flawed person but uh the uh 
Zeke's uh, Zeke thought he knew everything, and then he finds out he doesn't. And and I think that the mechanism he had built a coping mechanism around turning him in. So he he told himself that his father never really loved him, and he was only just a tool for the restoration mm-hmm. movement. And and I think that was just how he coped with what he did, because to a certain extent, he clearly loved his 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 father and and his his mom, and didn't like probably didn't actually want them to die, but at the same yeah. time. Uh, the the way that he thought a solution to all this was the steps that he took, and so the the Zeke Zeke just going through these realizations, watching those scenes go by, these me- those memories as as Grisha really just suffers for the next thirteen years, knowing what's coming, and uh and he just spent every day cherishing the moments he had with his family, and then and, and remembering the family that he lost, and then uh, yeah. Given his limited time, I, I feel like that that really struck a chord with 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 Zeke. He's like he knows that he's got not long left, but he still spends time remembering the, his old family. And there's a theme uh, um, we see multiple times of of these children on Marley, these Eldian children, being raised as tools, and in different regards. And Raina's mother, one of my favorite moments was what she's on that air base, on that base, on that on that mountain and she's watching um reina what she was thinking he, she thought he was dying and she remember she remember all these memories of being so proud of him for being this warrior candidate and and basically use like raising him as a tool to become a weapon for marley and she realized um she had been just as part a part of the problem as the marleyans were uh, and did she 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 said she like was she was never truly a mother to him and there was like I, I, there was there's a correlation multiple times with the parents in this show of how they use their children of tool as tools and raise them as tools because of the society that they uh, are living now demands that and it's such a powerful thing you make you make a very good point cuz so Carla uh, uh Aaron's mother is like don't become a scout regiment just yes. be a kid she she is so different from 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 Dinah or Dina. I don't exactly remember how they pronounce it in, in the English dub, but uh, from uh, his the Grisha's first wife is is so different from Carla in, in like every way. Like she's Carla just was just uh, I, I think she was like a barmaid. Like they he met her he met her from he drink he was at a pub uh, after he got saved met her. And she is just so vastly different. She doesn't come from royal blood. She's just a, a, a common person, and doesn't and, and doesn't want great aspirations for her son. She just wants him to be safe and okay. And I think that's a very intentional choice from how they make her. While they're her and Dean are still good people, they are just so vastly different in their expectations for themselves and their children. And I think that's so important to to Aaron and, and Zeke's upbringing, and and also Grisha's. Uh, uh, just a reflection of who he is as a person at that point. 100%. All right, next up at number four, we have one of the main trio, Armin. I feel like you got to have the trio in the top five at least because they're all – This is an incredible yeah. main trio. I mean, there's I, – I was I was looking back on this and I was like I – know, I, I know I don't mean to reference Harry Potter, but I really do think that the trio of Harry Potter had an impact on storytelling – uh, for the the following twenty years, because trios ended up becoming a very popular tool in in storytelling, and this is yeah. one of the best trios I've seen since that trio, of each character 
of it's, it's a family. They're a unit. Um, and each character has their flaws and their strengths. And with this case, you have like kind of like not so much a a prophesized leader, but but like kind of like a chosen one in, in terms of being the only person who could carry out the course of events being Eren. Then you have the much more talented girl. And then you have the, the smart, but like <laughs> third most important, maybe not most important, but like the third friend. And it's they they all have they all have a part to play, and they all need each other just as much as uh, they need themselves. And Armin, obviously being the most intelligent of the bunch, uh, he uses his mind, and he's a he's a flawed character because he thinks of himself as a coward, uh, especially as a kid with Mikasa and Eren always having to defend him and save him. Um, he it took him a while to realize that he had saved them multiple times and that. His mind was just as strong of a tool as their as Mikasa's fighting abilities and Eren's willing to willingness to never give up. And so exactly. Ar- Armin becomes such a vital character, and obviously when he becomes the colossal titan, uh, instru- instrumental on their attack on Marley, and then uh, eventually the attack on Eren. Um, but I think his mind and his intellect are unparalleled, and one of the most important moments of the whole series is Levi choosing him over Ervin, which we meant, we talked about earlier. Um, but Levi absolutely made the right decision. And Armin's someone who's, he's innocent. And like you said, he doesn't want anyone to die. He doesn't want to kill anyone, but he accepts the cards he's dealt and understands that to make this change, he does have to be the Colossal Titan. And he does, he does have to transform um, knowing that he's killing thousands of people every time he does it. Exactly. Armin is is uh, such a fascinating character in the way that every single character recognizes how special he is before he does. And uh, any character who who doesn't recognize how special he is ends up dead. The uh, they don't they, they they don't understand who he is and and how much uh, uh, th- he he's necessary to the story. Um, yeah, the, when it comes to, like the trio, like you mentioned, that's a it's a it's a very common trope in anime um, that just or manga series in general uh, uh, because of just there's t- they tend to uh, previous series tend to exp- inspire next ones because the way that that manga is published, it's usually done through a, like a magazine or a publishing and they, they only have so many stories and the previous ones that they have released will tend to influence the next ones. So uh, Attack on Titan's been been influenced by so many big anime series that have gone on for a long time. So Naruto, which is like one of the biggest anime series out there, also famously has their trio uh, uh, of their main characters, and uh, that's and and you see that's com- common trope. So uh, the studio that did season four of Attack on Titan, they have another series called Jujutsu Kaisen. It's also a trio. It's uh, that's 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 an interesting uh, archetype, and they use these trios in like an Attack on Titan to balance out the flaws in these characters. So when they're together, it's it's a they they've they've hit everything. They each character is capable of what they need to to accomplish what they want. And I think Armin, uh, once he realizes that, that's when he becomes most dangerous and becomes the uh, the leader that they need him to be as the next commander uh, of the scouts and the. Uh, and, and the way that I think that uh, they write his character makes him s- just so compelling. I think uh, like he might be my favorite character in the series 
just purely from where he starts to where he ends, he is, uh, he, like, at the end of the series, I think out, uh, him and Mikasa are the protagonists at, in the finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, uh, it's their journey in the end that's what saves humanity. Uh, and it's their it's their free will to resist Aaron, to resist their best their 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 closest confidant, uh, and 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 make the right choice through free will. And and to have the strength to do that, Armin could not have done that at the beginning of the series. He would have never been able to resist Aaron. He needed to go through the journey that he did to become who he is at the end, to to come up with the plan to 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 defeat him, to to get the will to do what he needs to do. He just he becomes such a fascinating character. And and the just in the end is to me the most important character in the series behind Aaron. He was also uh, afraid to make decisions early on when yeah. people de- re- depended on him to make decisions, and then by the final season he was uh, a strong commander. And it's it's really a testament to uh, being the re- being a reluctant leader. Can- it probably is the best kind of leader because it's someone who doesn't crave power, but. Uh, the people need him. The people depend on him to make his decisions, and he realized that. And he didn't trust himself in the first two seasons. And there's a exactly. one point where there's one point where he passed uh, the, the commanding duties to I think Jean because he just was too afraid to make a decision. And so he he, he goes through a great transformation in arc of becoming a leader that's necessary to take out the the force that is Aaron Yeager. <laughs> Yeah, and then, he, he has the ability to do something that a lot of people do is 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 betray uh, their closest people, their closest friends, with, to, for the greater good to like to truly see like the big picture. He's one of the few characters that does ha- see the big picture, and and even even in the end, he as much as he knows he's doing the right thing, uh, in the final moments of the series, he still hates that he has to do it. I'll see you in hell. Yeah. It's, it's, he's such a fascinating character. Those last like 20 minutes of, of the series are just heart wrenching. And he also, I, that chat between him and Aaron on the water, um, after Aaron, after Aaron dies, he said, he says that he's just as responsible for the rumbling as Aaron is. And it's because uh, of their mutual. Aaron, when Aaron f- saw the outside world, he he grew to hate it, that it existed, and then Armin felt responsible because he, his uh, dream propelled yeah, all that. Yeah, he he motivated Aaron to seek the outside world, and so he's just as responsible as Aaron was in his own eyes. And so, uh, that was su- such a powerful scene. That's and then the 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 water below them turns to blood. I was like, oh my god, yeah, this is unbelievable. All right, next up we have. Mikasa, Mikasa Ackerman, who, in my opinion, is the heart of the series. Uh, she, her connection to Eren um, wasn't clear at first until the reveal of Eren saving her when they were both children. And Eren just fucking stabbed those guys. Like, oh, I was like, oh, my God, this kid's a killer. Yeah. He is a killer. <laughs> and then also we got the hint of the Ackerman blood in her when she was too frightened to move, and then suddenly uh, the will to fight took a hold of her to defend Eren. But Mikasa is the heart of the film, and her unwavering uh, devotion to Eren is endearing, and it can be flawed at times, and it can be make the audience question, how can you still love him after all of this? Uh, but their connection is profound and deep, 
And one of the tra- most tragic aspects of the show was that they never really, they never had a future together. Although Aaron did create those memories, um, which were revealed to her after he passed away, which I thought was so beautiful, and culminating into uh, that final scene when the that dove takes her scarf, and in her eyes, seeing oh that is that the spirit of Aaron um, communicating with me. Uh, and on top of that, she's just the fucking one of the most fierce warriors in the show. Incredible. Uh, every time she's in an action sequence, I'm just like, let's go. Mika's going to fuck yeah. him up. Anytime That's an great. Ackerman's working ODM gear, you're like, oh, it's, it's, I'm locked in. Let's, what's what's going to happen? <laughs> For real. <laughs> yeah, Mikasa is just such a, a, a fascinating character with the mental layers that she has. Uh, she is by far the most silent of the, of, of the protagonists. Like we don't know what she's thinking like, almost ever. Uh, and I think that's what makes her so compelling is the fact that they've left her thoughts uh, uh, out of, of this, uh, of, of most of the scenes. And so the way that she carries herself as the series goes on is, is so fascinating as she like develops her own sense of personal identity, like the amount of motions she displays between the beginning and the end is different. Like uh, with Sasha's death that occurs, like she's sobbing. I, I don't, and, and like besides Armin, like I don't see her, like if, if we go back to season one, uh, assuming like a care, if she would, she does not have those connections like she does. She, her only connection was Aaron at the beginning and then slowly began to develop real connections with other people, which I think is what allows her to, not be connected to her host, to Aaron, and and be able to rebel and be able to be her own person is those other connections she builds up. While most Ackerman tend to attach to one person, to one host, she was able to build uh, the 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 friends and family where she uh, she was able to break free of that and be her own person and not and not be uh, like the other Eldians, be subjugated to uh, the uh, their her ancestry, be subject to what they uh, think their people should be. And so she, she doesn't have to be an Ackerman in the way that she was told she should be. She can go on to be her own person. And I think that's like one of her big character arcs is becoming independent, becoming her own person. And that's she, the catalyst for that is Erin forcing that out of her. Exactly. And one it, of the most, that was the most, one of the most sad, tragic parts of that entire show was him uh, just tearing into her and, yeah. and Armin, and then beating up Armin, but then also telling her that he hated her since she was a kid and that she doesn't she can't control herself or Eldian blood commands her and so he knew that he had to push her that hard for her to be able to make her own choices and gain her own freedom outside of her bloodline and it was like I was like that scene was so hard to watch that was such a difficult scene to take in especially with like the uh, the with I guess now hindsight's 2020 knowing exactly what Aaron was doing. He, yeah. uh, like he, he had to, uh, cut himself off from the two people who, uh, otherwise would have never, uh, uh, gone with it. Uh, just, it's, it's just such a, a tragic story of, of what she has to go through Yeah, for, for this, for, um, all the people who, who ended up, uh, better in the end after what happened. I think Mikasa's one of the few people who's probably never going to be, able to, to to recover from from these events even though she does move on in in uh, uh, uh there there's just too much there for her to like really uh 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 fully recover from this 
And I, th I think that's just uh, such a, an interesting way how the person, how Aaron, Aaron wanted to hurt the least, uh, end up probably the most hurt in the end of the series. Yeah, and um, I, leading into the finale, I, I predicted, I was like, it seems like Mikasa is going to have to be the one to kill Aaron. It was, it's, it was all, I feel like both of their storylines and their characters were, it was all set up and it had to be her. Nobody else could really lay that final blow except for her. And so when it finally did happen and she decapitated him, it was both, it made sense in a satisfying way and then it was horribly tragic as she held his head in her arms. And it was, it was, it was, it was so, so powerful. But speaking of Eren... Aaron's number two on the list. Now, Aaron, I honestly didn't love him in the first half of the first season, and I think it's just because he was, like, the annoying kid, so overly dramatic, and just too much, dialed to 11. But in retrospect, it ended up being his most defining trait was his his ferocity and his his unwillingness to accept defeat and his desire to fight to the very last breath, which ended up being the only, he ended up being the only person who could carry out this mission that he realized of uh, defeating the Titan, uh, the Titan power. And Eren go through, he went through so many transformations. And one of my favorite moments though, was when he went up against the Colossal Titan by himself in season one, and he's about to strike its nape, and then it disappeared. But I was like, this kid, ha like, he's the, not the most skilled. He's not the smartest. He's not the strongest. But he has such a, a will within him that it seems like he can accomplish anything. He has that, like, chip on his shoulder. And he can, it seems like whatever he sets his mind to, he can accomplish it. Uh, and, he tra he tra and then he transforms throughout the course of the series of, of seasons into a stronger warrior and then a titan. Um, and then one of the, for a while, their most valuable asset and weapon into being basically the main villain of season four. But also, it's not until you see everything in the culmination of the rest of the story that you realize that um, he made all of these decisions because it was basically the, the best thing to do. And I, I understand his choices. And when I see this, uh, I connect to Arrival, the Denis Villeneuve film, and Amy Adams' character. And something similar happens to Erin in this film where for her, when she understands the uh, the language of the heptapods, time no longer is a straight line. It becomes a circle for her. And so Erin, when he connects to the founding titan, same thing happens to him. Time is not linear. Time is happening all at once. And so in a way, he's not even a... a human being anymore he's become much more than that he's evolved into a, a a higher evolution of what it is to be a human being time is all at once for him and that's what motivates him to make all of his decisions and when you learn that he really was the puppet master pulling all the strings and he was doing horrible things but he knew he had to do them and it was so difficult and you saw it weighing on him his tone in season four he was just like a completely different person he had this darkness to him this silence to him this horrible look of despair on in his eyes and you don't really know why he's become like this this is once the most energetic ruthless like 
on a kid you can never shut up. And then you see, really, it was the choices he was forced to make that weighed on him so much. But he really was the only person alive who had the strength to continue fighting and to do these horrible things to continue the story to make it happen. So he really ended up, he was defined by that power within him to fight. And that's the only thing that, he really was the only person who could make it happen. Yeah. Aaron uh, starts out being pretty much your, like, a stere- almost a stereotypical uh, anime protagonist. So he, he the uh, so the series that it's written in, Attack on Titan is considered what's called a seinen, which is a show, spe- or a series specifically aimed at 18 and older men. Okay. Um, typically speaking, the most popular anime are shonen, which are t- targeted at teen boys. Um, so that's like, that's kind of how you know what kind of content to expect from a series is based off of what that rating, what, what it, it's, uh, demographic is. And, and since in a lot of shonen, the, fir- the initial version of Aaron we get are their main characters. They tend to have, uh, uh, the, uh, tend to be static protagonists with a dynamic world that changes due to the protagonist. Uh, and, and when we first introduced to Aaron, that's what he typically, that's what he appears to be. He's going to be this strong willed person who is going to change everyone else around him. Uh, and while he, he is that at first and, and he does seem to be that character as more is revealed, he it's, it, it actually flips on its head. It becomes a static world with a dynamic protagonist who is becoming changed by everything else around him. And, uh, he it's it's so fascinating to see the way his character changes from from being unwavering to uh to constantly questioning everything and who he is what his what he should be doing and uh and it's and how everything is just set up from the beginning even going back to like like everything we knew about this character was set up from the beginning and uh, so we have a scene where when an Aaron initially is uh, training with the ODM gear as uh, in camp, you, you see he hits his head like he falls over. Um, and as he's sitting there kind of reeling, trying to figure out what he did wrong, you see steam's coming off his head. At, at the moment, you're like, oh, that's like an exaggerating thing. In Paisley, you're like, holy shit, oh no, because he has he's healing himself as a Titan. So like steam's literally coming off his head. And you think that's just like a cartoony thing? Like, no, this is an actual in-universe thing happening. Uh and then you have uh, in scenes where them as kids, when they first get out of Shiganshina and escape and they're and they're like sitting by themselves in like little that little hallway uh, uh, where everyone's gathered the, after they got food, um, you see someone who looks a lot like season four Aaron in the background. Oh my who god! Is, who is who is giving Aaron his? Because remember, Aaron Aaron starts crying at the beginning of the series. He dreams about the future. Future future Aaron sent his memories back. And so this is, once again, future Aaron there in that moment. So he's constantly there uh, in, in his own past, setting himself up to become what he is. And he's just becomes this this force that uh, is like just subverts expectations for the audience as even people who are familiar with anime because he starts off being your stereotypical protagonist and then subverts it entirely and becomes the 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 ultimate antagonist where every single person in the series is now aligned against him it's it was so brilliant it is it's 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 so fascinating the way that his character develops into what it is and i honestly it, with with uh, some time now separated, I love the fact that we're, that season four is in media res. We are just dropped into it four years later. I think I think if we got to uh, 
see Aaron progress into uh, into the form that we see him in, um, that ruins the story because we now know what he's thinking. We uh, we no longer get to try and perceive the events, perceive the world through our own perspective. We get it. We get it tinted through Aaron's perspective. Yeah. And by the way that they they write his character, we don't see the world through his eyes. We just see the world, and we get the most objective point of view of it. And I think uh, not a lot of series will 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 do that they'll a lot of series will tend to use the main character as the lens for the audience but i think this is one of the few ones that they don't and we get to see aaron just kind of uh evolve and not be limited by being a protagonist i expected from the first season to be like oh aaron is gonna turn into the super titan he's gonna fight whatever the big forces and it, i couldn't have been more wrong and i was no. so pleasantly surprised by that and I'm glad you mentioned that dream because one of the one of the most powerful moments, and it's a moment where I screamed out, was at the end of the the series. Uh, we saw the flashback of Eren, uh, which was the first shot we saw of him and Mikasa under the tree, and he had that he woke up from that dream, and I was like, "Oh my fucking god!" That was Eren giving him that dream when he was a little kid, yeah. and we're back under that tree again. I was like, I was so mind blown. And then also bookending it, not technically, but because there's more shots at the end of the at the end of the season. But Mikasa under that tree, just reflecting the opening shot we saw of them under the tree. In the first shot, there's all the walls in the background. Yeah. And then in the finale, there's no more walls. It's just the city. And then we slowly see the city getting rebuilt. Uh, so yeah. I thought it was just a wonderful bookend for Aaron's story, where he was. He first saw that was probably the first. I would say the first moment that future Aaron reached out to him you could say and then it ends with it being his grave under that tree yeah absolutely that's why I, I love the connections they make from the beginning of the end of the series where everything is planned out there's there's not there's not a moment or a scene that is just there for entertainment it all has purpose in the, in the grander scheme of things which is what I love about that it's it's one of those series that does not waste the time it get, it, it, it takes Every single scene has purpose, which also, is not yeah. something a lot of series do, especially when they yeah. get longer and longer. And I also think that, the, in my opinion, the story doesn't end uh, for exactly. the Titans. So what's interesting and what I loved was, so when he was, he's, Mikasa buried his head under the tree, and then we saw the future of centuries taking place and that tree growing bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it, very, it looked so much like the tree that, um, Emir walked into when she was a girl and he even had like that open doorway uh, on the on the roots and that kid and his dog walk up to the tree and see that tree so when I saw that ending I was like is this a cycle of events that's going to happen again so maybe since he had the founding titan inside of him maybe the founding titan laid dormant inside the roots of that tree and so I imagine that kid with his dog going into the tree just like Emir did and a little squid like being uh, uh, taking a hold of that little kid and turning him into a new founding titan. So I think that his head being buried there allowed for the future of the titans to maybe live on. That's interesting. I, I never really thought about that. I, uh, I mean, obviously the imagery is there with the tree being a, a basically a, a recreation of, 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 of Ymir. But as to my eyes, uh, the, uh, I think it's just that shit we're showing humanity is, is, is uh, we're on a desolate world now. They blew themselves up, and it's it's almost like post apocalyptic. 
but um, the tree being there, I, I felt like was more of a uh, uh, proof that uh, in in the end uh, they were right for uh, 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 for resisting Aaron and resisting the cycle because life even through all the hardship they continued to go through afterwards life persevered and even even just a tree that uh uh, uh was it was able to withstand withstand mm -hmm. everything that happened and so the uh i never really just could i never considered like maybe that would be a continuation of 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 the cycle yeah. of, of so the story i looked at it it's like a titan tree that's why it formed so in an odd shape and so powerfully and vastly tall. Yeah. Because it had maybe the founding Titan DNA in it, just like the tree that uh, Emir walked into thousands of years earlier. Yeah, I don't. I I like the mystery of it. I think that even like we still don't actually know how how Emir got her power. I like how like, they didn't explain that thing. That's the, I there's love it. there's I think there's certain parts to a good story when mystery is involved that you just shouldn't answer. It's the mystery of mysteries of life, and yeah, we didn't certain, need to. Yeah, mysteries didn't of origin should was. not be there. Yeah. We don't we don't need to know if there's a god uh, a god in this universe. We don't know if we we don't need to know if he's giving out powers to people. Yeah, because just that being unanswered a lot uh, just. Uh, just makes the world feel so much more real. The more yeah. you answer about a world's lore in, in a story, the more you take away from, yeah. from that world. It doesn't feel as real. I feel like so many other versions would have been like people explaining the origins of this this creature and its powers. And I, w I was like, we don't need to know that. We exactly. know everything. We, we've been told everything we really need to know, and I'm glad they held back on that. Yeah. All right, let's get, into our, yeah. Most. Yeah. let's get into our final character now if you're a fan of attack on titan you know that there's one character we haven't mentioned on this list <laughs> and that is captain levi ackerman uh, a fan favorite and i understand why because whenever he's on screen he just lights up and whenever every word he says is just gold and he's just the most powerful fighter the greatest warrior um he he, he his resolve is incredible he he takes no prisoners doesn't like jokes and he's just the ultimate badass. Um, I, I just every time Levi's on screen, it makes the episode better. Honestly, something I love about Levi's character is how self-aware he is. He knows he can't be the leader for for the scouts because yes. you would have you would have expected after Hanji it would have been Levi next, but uh, it goes it goes to Armin and and Levi is so aware of this, especially when. Uh, uh, I feel like this self awareness does take place, uh, take hold a little bit when when it comes down to the decision of whether to save Armin or or, or Ervin, where not only is is his perspective his perception of those two involved, but of himself, because I think at least in my perspective he expects Ervin to pass it on to him once the time comes, and so he himself does he knowing himself he he knows he cannot be that leader, and so. The way that he, I think, the way that he operates as a person changes through the series, even though it's like not as obvious. It's it's very subtle. He's still he's still the same person, but his uh, the way that he operates is different. Uh, at at the beginning of the series, he just d doesn't care uh, uh, about basically anything but what Ervin wants him to do. And but by the end, he has his own will. He he has, I think it's the same thing with the Ackermans. I think Ervin's death liberated him the same way Aaron's did for Mikasa. 
they uh, uh he's an Ackerman. He has he has someone he's bonded to, and that person ends up first being Kenny. Kenny's gone, and then it becomes Ervin. And then with Ervin gone, he truly block he becomes his own person. Uh uh, but the that that transformation isn't complete until Zeke's dead. I agree. He, he was so obsessed with killing Zeke. Once Zeke is dead, he is finally freed from from his curse of being an Ackerman. He he no longer has that attachment to Ervin. That was the Zeke was the last thing he had. Like, but he was so focused on that, like that you can see how uh, uh, the, his curse manifests with his obsession with Zeke uh, in, in seasons three and four. And but he he is able to finally separate himself and and become his own individual. And on top of that, just be cool as shit while doing it. <laughs> like <laughs> he got, he took a, he took a explosion point blank, and he's like, "All right, give me like a couple days, and I'll be good to go." I'll heal up. <laughs> he's like, I'm like, he's like, I'm missing. He's like, oh, he said, yeah, only two fingers is all I need. I he know, had his I thumb and his like ring finger to like to, to use it. Yeah. So he's like literally holding it like that. <laughs> it's crazy. I love him. I love him. Uh, he was he how, in, when we first meet him in the in, his, in the first two seasons, he is defined by being a soldier. And defined by being a tool, and he he's happy being a tool, and nothing more. Um, and you're right; it wasn't. It's not until the end of the journey where he decides to to fight for something greater than that and separate himself from duty, and to do what's right for once rather than yeah. doing what he's told. Because I always thought that it was so interesting because he's the most respected fighter and warrior, but he's not really a commander he's a leader on the battlefield but in, in terms of a commander he, you're, you're right he knows he he isn't suited to that and, and so he's happy just being a sword yeah. um, but he becomes more than that by the finale by the final season and it's he's just when he's when there's an action scene with levi in it there's like a level of excitement that's always so much higher than any other sequence when you know he's involved it's just like it's going to be something really spectacular and visually stunning, and it always is. And I, I the, the loudest I screamed was him taking out the beast um, yeah. in, the, in the forest. We're, I was like, oh, yes! It's it's so great. Yeah, his character is just so interesting. He's the one who makes Armin a commander. Yes. Because Hanji dies, and it, it does fall to... Um, to uh, uh, Levi. Uh, to Levi, and yeah. Levi is like, no, you're the commander now. Go this is your job this is not me this is this is a you are in charge of the, of the scout the scout regiment now yeah and that that self-awareness and i think that that respect I, I i you can see the respect he builds for everyone else as the series goes on because i remember in season three when they when they finally return after everything um all of the people they trained with who ended up going to the military police rather than becoming a scout see them again after months, after it's like I think it's like six months is is the space of time between the time jump in season one to when they become the this the modern the the, the the concurrent time and then to when they come back is like six months and they're like you're different people they they go to to uh they visit Sadie's uh uh at, um and he's like you're all you look like completely different people because they've yeah. been through so much mm -hmm. and the way Levi treats them from 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 when they when he first meets them to then is so is so different you can see how much respect he's gotten for them and even though he doesn't verbalize it it's it's just it's always such so minute things i think levi's character development is so subtle in certain spots that you just don't even like recognize it when it happens and um a good moment of that is when he bids farewell to hanji with a salute yeah and she and she's like oh wow you actually said first those words 
he, he I, truly yeah. he can truly care about people now. Yeah. He's no longer bound by by his curse with Erebin. He he can finally move on, which is just such a such interesting character and and uh, clearly the studio's favorite character uh, <laughs> with how much money they put into scenes he's in. Oh yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Like how how did every scene he fights in is it just that is that where all the budget goes? Like <laughs> like uh, is he is he the reason some of the three T- D Titans don't look that great? <laughs> <laughs> I believe it, man. All right, so that's it for our character ranking. Now, we're at two hours in, so before this turns into a five-hour episode, let's deal with the rest of our rankings, but I'll just list them off, and we could could talk about it after. Yeah. Because we don't want to be here for six hours, because we can be. (laughs) So I want to talk about the biggest twists of the show. There's so many of them. I made a list of 17. It's hard to, like, really rank them, and I think it's subjective about, like, how impactful, impactful each twist is for each person. But here, he, these are my favorites, and let me know how you feel about them. So, Armin surviving the flames when he's uh, when he and uh, Aaron develop the plan to take out the Colossal Titan, and he gets burnt up and cooked and fried to a crisp. But it's revealed that he is still kicking in the next episode. It's a great twist. I thought he was dead as fuck. Poor guy. And then next up, we have Aaron betraying Zeke. Revealing that he was using Zeke as a pawn the whole time and never had any intention of euthanizing the Eldians. I thought that they were like brothers in arms and they oh, were like, really? it's going to be. I, I assume the entire yeah. time I was like, there's, I'm like, there's no shot that uh-huh. Aaron's going along with this. Fuck no, yeah, him, it, I'm like, that's, uh, he's all about freedom. And that's like the exact opposite. So I'm like, I don't, I don't see any way of Aaron having gone, gone with that. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have uh, Emir is a Titan, not the the founding Emir, but the uh, present day Emir. Um, she accidentally killed Marcel and ate him. We found out, and uh, she first transforms on that tower when the crew is swarmed by uh, Titans. I thought it was a great reveal. Yeah, that was that was when I did not expect. Did not see that coming at all. Not at all. That like, was so out su- left field. Yeah. Then we have Zeke's plan of euthanizing the Eldians reveal. I thought it was like super shocking. I thought he was just yeah. trying to kill everyone in the walls. And then we learned like, oh, he's trying to neuter the entire race. I was like, that's fucking crazy. That was that it, that's such a unique concept too. I never even like like that that never crossed my mind as like a possible like thing that could yeah. that, that could have been done as a solution. That's it's such a unique concept. Like something that's so like genuinely uh uh unique, not just like just like in this story, like it, yeah. it, like the I I can't think of anything else that's like that's such a unique plan of like villainy, I guess for an antagonist. I'm like that's that's such a huge threat, and it, it I don't know I, I I love the uniqueness of this. This is not something I, I would ever ex- like anticipate. Yeah. Like mm, it's, it's, I think the villain's gonna make a plan to euthanize everyone. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's technically it's a form of genocide. Yeah, but I think in Zeke's eyes, it's a, a less painful form of genocide. So that's why he's doing it. Next up, we have Annie's reveal as the female Titan. Uh, we got hints of it. And then Armin comes up with a plan to reveal it. And, and they have a whole squad of soldiers waiting at the ready inside that stairwell. And Annie reveals her true intentions and her true self. Uh, great reveal. It was the first Titan that was shown to us as being a member of the Scouts. Then we have number 12, Emir's backstory and how the founding Titan's entire life began and ended and the twist that she being a, a godlike being was still serving a human man for 2000 years 
I thought it was just like, this is insane. Great twist of irony. Uh, next up, we have the reveal of there being a huge world of billions of humans outside the walls. And it basically being this whole civilization that's not too different from our own. Yeah, I would. I think I would have put this a lot higher up on my like uh, ranking everything. Like that's that's an insane reveal. Yeah. And to to just append to this, I'm not sure if you've actually seen it. They show a map of uh, of parody and then Marley. It's just the act, the real world map flipped upside uh-huh. down. Marley is just Madagascar in Africa. That's crazy. That's like so if you, if you It's 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 and so Marley is just Africa. Uh-huh. It's in it's, it's so like their their whole world is literally just the world map flipped over. Uh-huh. That's, that's so it's a really interesting. I don't I, I so like they try and like have true real world connections to where everyone's from. Yeah. So like the Ackermans, I believe, are supposed to be either Japanese or Chinese, very specifically. And so like Jaeger is they're German, and so Grisha and Aaron, like the spellings of characters' names are also uh-huh. like con- and pronunciations are congruent to where they they would generally be from. I was I yeah I was assuming that the um the blonde characters were like German or Swedish or Norwegian. I, I like the, all the a lot of the Eldians were bl- or especially the royal family was blonde hair blue eyed so yeah. I, I thought that was also supposed to be like a like a connection to like the Aryan race or, or yeah, yeah and so the there's a lot of just like real world connections for all these characters so it's the Germans who are like ingrained in this too all the 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 German family who who are have the royal bloodline and and all that so like the Fritz. Is, is their family last mm-hmm. name, so they're also very German, and so there's a lot of just real world connections between nations and and in, in the world that they they inhabit there. I would have, I know, I would have loved to see like a zoom out of the of the globe. Yeah, we only we only get to see Marley in parody, but yeah. uh, people like for fun online have like gone and created their own maps on how yeah. they think it is. Some people think, oh, east the east and west is just flipped on their map. So even though they say, oh, they're from the east on their map, in our perspective, would be west. Because the world's upside down, yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I don't know. That, I, 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 I agree. I think a, a, a big world map would have been cool. And I think um, they clearly allude to the, the Mid East alliances being, being basically like Middle East yeah, countries exactly. aligned together. And we see that um, I can't. What do you call those red hats that they wear in Egypt? Um, um, we see a we fez? see character a fez. We see characters wearing those multiple times. Yeah. So there are definitely references to our real world. I would have loved to see the map. But I guess, I mean, I, I'm sure I, I get the reason for not showing it. It's still fun to keep the mystery. Exactly. All right, next up, we have the twist that Aaron is a Titan. I know that we mentioned that we both predicted this, but it was still a fun twist. Yeah, it And was. it was, like, unexpected. Like, it was, I mean, obviously when we saw Aaron, when we saw that fighting Titan fighting, I was like, that's Aaron. But I thought he got eaten the episode before that. You know what I mean? Before they showed that Titan, you're like, is Aaron dead? I thought he was the, the protagonist, so it was a great twist to see that he did survive that Titan's um, mouth um, and did end up. And I was like, even though t- it was, even though I figured that was Aaron, I was like, how the fuck is it Aaron? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was like, how the, is like, that like, Aaron? Like, what, what just happened? Why is what he... is ha- Like, it's got to be Aaron, but how is it Aaron? I was like trying to figure out that entire episode. How the fuck did he not die? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it keeps it a twist, even though we figured it was him. It was like, how is it him? Yeah. All right, next up, number nine being Eren's plan uh, using the Founding Titan's power on his rampage with the rumbling. His plan ultimately was to let his friends kill him. And I thought that was really brilliant and a fun twist. I didn't see that coming for his motivations. 
Um, I was. It's like the entire fourth season. You're like trying to understand what is he doing? What are his motivations? Does yeah. he really think that he has to kill everybody? And then we learn that he know he feels strongly that he has to do what he's doing, but he also is trying to set it up so that his friends stop him before it's too late. I anticipated this just because me having enough anime experience. Um, the Armin and Mikasa are constantly saying there's something more to this. This yeah. isn't just Aaron Wynn just go ahead and do this. And they spent the entire season, and it makes sense that like they truly do know him uh, better than anyone. They know, and they were right. Aaron, Aaron had he he was uh, he, he was sacrificing himself to be killed by them. He knew he had to be killed by uh, Armin and Mikasa because they're they're the only two people who could even understand mm-hmm. who he is as a person and understand that this is not what he wants. If if without them, they would have never understood uh, what Aaron's plan was, and it wouldn't it wouldn't have gone it wouldn't have succeeded. Yeah, 100%. All right, next up we have Aaron was revealed to have eaten his father, Grisha. I was like, what the fuck? That, that one was, I was like, <laughs> he oh, yeah. ate his dad? What? <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Aaron ate Grisha? What? I was like, oh, my God. That blew my mind. I was like, this yeah. is crazy. I know we all, we all spent the entire time like, where the hell's Grisha been? Yeah. Oh, he, uh, he was <laughs> like, oh, oh Aaron, oh, Aaron digested. digested him. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Aaron shat him out. <laughs> All right, number seven, the twist that there are millions of colossal titans inside the walls of parody. Absolutely insane. We got a hint of it when someone mentioned it early in in season three. And also when uh, Reyna, no, John had hid, no, no, I'm sorry, Beartold hid inside the wall. Kind of was like a foreshadow for titans being inside the wall. But really just when that plan was revealed and... It was, and then uh, Aaron uh, loosened the hardening, and the walls broke apart, and you just saw Titan upon Titan upon Titan. I was just like mouth open, like holy shit, it's real. They really are in there. Unbelievable. Next up, we have Grisha's reveal of being from the land outside the walls. He also had a family. He had another son, and he traversed the landscape of Parody to the walls. He was not born inside the walls. Unbelievable twist. Uh, I don't think anybody could have ever possibly predicted that. It's no. unbelievable. If, if, so, if someone predicted that, they're, they're, they're a liar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, uh, Fucking insane. No shot. <laughs> That's like that. It's like two episode arc, and I was just like, yeah, you, I was in you spend shock. You spend like basically once Aaron stretch getting memories, you just spend yeah. the entire episode going. This is unbelievable. Staring at your screen in disbelief. Yeah. Another connecting twist to Grisha was that the smiling titan that ate... Aaron's mom was Grisha's first wife. Holy fuck. Insane. I was I was disturbed by it. I was what like, a, what oh a my tragic God. character. For real. That woman, poor thing. She, both both wives done dirty. Exactly. They they did nothing wrong and they're, they're and, just moms it, and wives. And suffered yeah. the most. Yeah. Oh my God. And also something that really struck a chord with me was when Zeke No, when um uh, I'm sorry, what's her name? She was the Jaw Titan first. We were just talking uh, about uh, Emir. Emir, sorry, yeah, Emir. When she tells Raina and Bertold that she was in sixty years of hell, then you realize, oh my God, when people are turned into Titans, they are aware in some capacity. Maybe it's like they're living a nightmare that they can't control. Uh, maybe they can see everything that's happening, but they have no control over the body. And that just made that really struck a chord deep inside me. That like. When you look at the Titans, you're like, oh my god, these are people suffering inside. They're um 
throughout the series, they kind of show that certain Titans have more levels of consciousness depending on how strong their memories are. Mm-hmm. So that's um, that's why certain Titans can talk or like make noises and other ones can't. And, and like certain abnormals were able to, to do that was mm-hmm. based on the strength of their memories, they were actually able to to at some level have perception. Some don't. Some just have no memory at all. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting how like the uh, the strength of one's memories, which is such a core component of this story, also determines how much of you still exists within that Titan. Great point. All right, next up, an amazing twist was the reveal that the Beast Titan was Eren's half-brother, Zeke. Yeah. Holy fuck. Holy fuck. Are you fucking kidding me, man? I was like, what the, what is going like, on? What the, what's going on? What's oh happening? I don't know what's going on in this show. <laughs> what do you mean he's the brothers? If, like, when you first see the Beast Titan, you're like, that being Aaron's brother in retrospect is like, what? This is crazy. Unbelievable. Just mind-blowing again. Uh, number three, Reiner and Bertolt revealing they were the Titans who broke the wall. These were men who fought alongside Aaron and the other scouts. And they bled. Uh, they seemed to be in the cause just as much as they were. And to think that they were the ones who broke the wall in that first episode. I think it's just one of the most powerful twists and turns the story had to had to offer, and it was just unbelievable. So great. Yeah, and I I love that season four gave us the perspective of them where they're the same age basically as mm-hmm. uh, uh, Aaron, Mikasa, and Armin. So they're like ten, or like in a preteen when yeah. they're being forced to go massacre a city. Yeah. And so the the idea that all this happens while these kids are like ten years old is is such a scary thing to think about. Like the that they are having to make that decision. Yeah. Next up, the reveal that all Titans were once human being Eldians. The first hint we got of this was Connie's mother. He sees the Titan on in his village, and it looks just like his mom. And he shares the photograph with Hanji, who then brings it to the council. And then we finally get the confirmation that uh, Titans were Eldians and who were transformed by Marlians as a punishment and then uh, set off onto the walls as the line of defense. And I was just like shell-shocked when this reveal happened. And then when you saw uh, through Grisha's Grisha's memories, him uh, seeing his wife turn as well as the other two people before them and how the Eldians were the Titans all along. Yeah, they're and all, just, you, they're all you, victims. And then you see, then you think about how many Titans did we see get killed in the previous two seasons, and they were all just innocent Eldians who were victims of uh, the cruelty of Marley. Unbelievable. Yeah, so the, so powerful. Uh, one of the the moments that I like in that reveal that really like stuck with me was Levi had an audible reaction to this, yes. where he says, "You're telling me all these Titans I've killed were just humans." Like he is. He, he himself is is horrified. A rare that. moment of emotion for him. Yeah, like he yeah. he he. It, that's a moment where I I think that's like the true first stepping stone to like seeing yeah. him become who he is at the end, where he he kind of has to start considering humanity because he never really did. He just made his one goal being a tool to kill titans, and when he found out he was a tool to kill helpless people who, uh, uh, that's had him just rethinking his his whole worldview. And so th- this review just reveal just changes everything. And it's, he even it's had to just, kill his own squad. Yeah, 
He had to kill his own squad. He he has to. Uh, it, it's it's makes killing Titans mean so much more. Yeah. And 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 so like by the time they find out, they had just exterminated every Titan on the island. So that that's just it's that's such a, a, a the the weight of, of of all of that reveal is is just profoundly impactful on the series where every single thing that happens from then on is i'm i'm we're gonna have to kill these titans knowing that they were people once crazy so heavy all right my favorite twist of attack on titan was when it was revealed and we mentioned we talked about it for a while Eren was manipulating grisha all along grisha initially backed out of killing the royal rice family to consume the Italian titan's power and then Eren basically forced his hand and convinced him to do it, as well as manipulating Grisha as a pawn the entire time. And I was just absolutely floored by this, to, to realize that Eren, through his use of the Founding Titan's power of memory and time, pulling the strings from the very beginning, absolutely yeah. insane. Just, who, you don't predict that. Like, you, you don't go, I think, I think, like, it, this, is, this is one of these series where you just can't predict mm. what's, what's going to happen. And this is like the the epitome of this. This is this is such a uh, 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 insane moment to see. Just Aaron's hands were in everything from the beginning, and then going rewatching the series, knowing how involved he is, you start seeing things where you're like, "Holy shit! Yeah, he's Aaron's there, in, 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 reaching from the future to influence the past to to." For everything to be exactly where it needs to be for for the story to to unfold, and it's uh, just everything. Where it was where Aaron kind of I think goes into this moment where he becomes Hall of Fame of fictional characters for me mm -hmm. is 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 that moment where, yeah. where they reveal all of this. It's amazing. All right, next up, I have a ranking of. I mean, it's not in order, but the most powerful emotional moments of the entire series. Um, first up, Aaron's death. Very moving. And then Connie and John being turned into Titans before you realize they could be saved. I was like, no! Sasha's death. Most emotional death, I think. Uh, Mikasa and the bird at the end. And it was just, I was just brought to tears from that. Eren beating up Armin was really hard to take in. Uh, Eren finally taking control of the founder. So powerful. Uh, Levi saying goodbye to Hanji before she sacrificed herself. Uh, Actually, finally seeing the devastation of the rumbling firsthand um, was just so disturbing. It was the opening sequence of the finale, the first finale episode. Just seeing the absolute destruction that the rumbling had. Um, I was just like gut-wrenched. And then Armin and Zeke had that really philosophical discussion in the Founder's Realm, which I thought was so incredible. One of my favorite scenes of the entire show. Um, the Colossal Titan's first appearance in episode one uh, was unbelievable. And then Ervin's charge against the Beast Titan. Absolutely like phenomenal. So one of so incredible. What did you I, I ever asked, what did you watch the show um in English dub or did you watch it with Japanese and subtitles? I did it with English dub. Okay, interesting. So so yeah, you got the I've I, I watched the show both ways. because uh, I think it's also has one of the best English dubs I've heard. It's what the um, acting was great for the English. Yeah. Yeah. The uh uh the uh Ervin's English uh, dub actor, um, uh, it's not J. Michael Tatum. 
I, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm blanking on his name. I I, sh- I like know all the like, almost the entire cast names, but I, I should I should. Uh, uh, he just kills it. Yeah. As Aravind, I'm like I'm like this is this is like one of the best castings I've seen. Like this yeah. is uh so such an incredible performance of uh, uh that that as we said that monologue that he gives uh, uh leading into the final battle is just one of the like greatest monologues I've heard in 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 a, in, a, in a show or movie and it was a moment where i was like this is like lord of the rings scale of epicness this i was is, like oh my god this is and like I, the culmination yeah. of this character's yeah. everything and, and everything I, for this yeah. character's leading that moment i always uh i always felt uh this had like a, a connection to lord of the rings with the scouts with their with their green robes and riding horses and i was yeah. like this is this just feels so lord of the ringsy like they're on they're they're riding for gondor you know what i mean exactly they're they're clearly such an undersized team. They they're 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 underdogs going into this. They all the odds are against them, yet they still try. Yeah. All right. So the final ranking is some of our favorite action scenes. Obviously, there's so many great action in this show. It's hard to even make a list of ten. Uh, I can't even think of this actually being an accurate order, but I'll just say it as a list. So first up, Hanji versus the Rumbling, because it's emotional. She showed how badass she was. Uh, the music was great, and the stakes were high because the crew was just barely able to get out on the flying boat, a.k.a. a plane. <laughs> Next up, we have Eren versus the Colossal Titan, which I mentioned earlier. It's in Season 1. He goes up against the Colossal by himself, and I was so amped when this happened, and it showed that even though he's not the greatest warrior, he had the more will to fight than anyone else. And he he would have taken the Colossal Titan out if it wasn't for uh, Rainer disappearing out of nowhere. And I, I just love that. I was like, this is fucking awesome. And it really got it really turned the tide in my favor of really liking Eren. Because I liked him, but I didn't love him. But then after that moment, I was like, okay, this guy, he's willing to do anything. We didn't get to see how competent he was yeah. until like halfway or like exactly. close to the end of season Next up, we have the opening action sequence in Season 4, Marley versus the Mideast Allies, and we get to see, as we mentioned earlier, those Titans being used as weapons of war. Epic battle. Um, really a lot of fun to see that. Um, and also to see the new perspective of these four characters that we had already known. And then we have, next up, Eren versus Annie, Part 2 in the city, the second showdown, uh, where he's learn her tricks and he's a much better fighter at this point in this titan body it's a brutal fight really fun yeah this is like, this is like aaron's first real jump in character yeah arc, where he's crushed under the rubble and has to find it, where he like solidifies his 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 ironclad will to get what he yeah. needs to done and that's like really that's i think that's the domino that really starts setting off Aaron on the path that he's on is that that mental fight that he that he goes through and his decision to fight there 100% because it's is not just the most it's not the most epic or visually stunning fight but it's so important for the story and for him next up the crew versus the Jaegerus in the harbor I put this up there mostly because Flock got killed which made me very happy (laughs) (laughs) but um in a show with so many Titan battles, uh, humans versus humans is always really cool to see because it's pretty rare. And it, it is badass and visually stunning and really well done. <laughs> Next up, we have Levi takes out the Beast Titan by himself. Holy fuck. 
Dude, awesome. It's, it's, uh, it's so fucking cool. It's uh, it's only about 20 seconds, but my God, it might be the best 20 seconds of the whole show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just shows like there's one there's one person I should be aware of. Yeah, Cap, uh, Captain Levi. He's especially dangerous. Like, is this Levi? And then 20 <laughs> seconds later, he literally has his blade in his mouth. Just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's you like, really, you really are that dangerous, already? Levi. You really are that dangerous. Yeah, you're like this dude is. My you're gonna God. need an army of titans. You literally need an army of titans or to blow or suicide bomb essentially to yeah. to take him out. <laughs> and then we have another Levi battle. Levi versus Kenny's crew. Levi's the only character who could like have a, the greatest battles of the show just with him. Yeah, uh, and it's it's like we we you talked about this. You could put just fight his earlier. fights in the top five, and no yeah. one would argue with you about yeah. it. You're like, yeah, yeah that's, that's that's valid. This was, in my opinion, up to that point, the most exciting fight uh, of the entire show, and. and Honestly, I I wasn't overwhelmingly in love with the show from season two. I thought season two was a step down, but this this happened. This fight was in episode two of season three, and I was after this sequence. I was all aboard. I was like, I am in. I'm I'm watching this in another. I'm finishing the show in a week. I, I decided that after the human that fight, conflict is what yeah. really like brings you in. Yeah, absolutely. Another fight was Reiner and Bertold attacking the city after revealing themselves. Uh, when you're you're still making sense of the twist, and while and they're so insurmountably difficult, um, you're trying to understand like what is happening while this epic fight is happening going on. So many things happen, including Eren finally getting an up and ha- upper hand on Rainer. Uh, with jujitsu, <laughs> there's a lot of jujitsu in this show. I was not expecting, which was really yeah. cool. They do a really good job with the fight choreography, yeah. even when they like move away from ODM gear. Just the hand-to-hand combat, you're like, this is like legitimately like mm. studied and copied from a martial art. And it was amazing to see Eren, um, who seemed to be unable to. It seemed to be an impossible fight. He found uh, a a strategy, and it, he really was going to take out Rainer until Bertelt stopped him. Next up, we have Eren invading Marley. He fights the Warhammer Titan and the Jaw Titan, um, and he he eats the Warhammer Titan uh, after breaking through the shell with the Jaw Titan by crushing its head and jaws into the shell. This this is two episodes worth of action, and the entire time I was just on the edge of my seat. This was absolutely insane, and like we said, it it, it built up from that conversation between Eren and Rainer. Uh, revealing himself in that room and then going Titan mode in the middle of the city. And I was just like, it was such a great narrative scene and it led into such a powerful action sequence and seeing the Warhammer Titan and what it could do. We hadn't seen, we had seen the Colossal in the armor, but we didn't know that there were other abilities with Titans yeah, until we saw we the Warhammer. We really only saw people who were like in 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 the opening years of of their yeah. powers, and as we've seen, the old, the longer you have it, the more powerful you get. So when you're in that thirteenth, in your last year, you are basically un uh, unbeatable. Yeah. Uh, uh, un- uh, unless you're, uh, uh, with the exception being like the modern technology that that can fight off titans or or a founding titan. Yeah. And I, I was just like, this was such a stunning battle, and it was so unexpected. Like it was so it unexpected. Had, it had one of the like shock moments that actually got me was when he grabs Porco and uses his jaw to break. Yes. The, I, I, that one, where I was like, my jaw was on the floor. I was like, 
Is he doing what I think he's doing? And then what he he just chewed her up. I was like, oh my God. Rips his limbs off, holds him in the air. So he has to just watch this happen as he essentially kills his 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 friend uh, in front of his eyes and uses him as as a tool to do that. I was like, holy fuck, Aaron. Jesus. Yeah, I'm like, okay, okay, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And then the final battle in our sequence, the action scene, I mean, it's just the most epic of the entire show. It's everyone versus Eren in that giant finale. Um, I can only imagine how hard it was to watch the tease of that battle after at the as a cliffhanger uh, for part one. And then you have to wait what eight months to see the rest of the battle. I I I was like I can't believe people actually waited this long for this. This is insane. Uh, but it didn't disappoint. It was uh, absolutely stunning. It was epic. Uh, there's so many layers to it. Uh, so many ups and downs. And Falco coming in. Uh, the crew nearly dying so many times. I loved when Annie slingshotted uh, Mikasa. Like she's just flying through the air like super fast and like going after that like bull it bull one. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Holy I'm fuck. Like, this is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. There's, like I you can really tell in like the, that final fight, there it's everything they had learned up to that point had yeah. to be used in, in that fight. And uh it, and it's just it's so incredible. Yeah. It's, it is great. I'm so glad that they w- did take the finale and make it this big thing because it needed to be to portray something on that scale because of how big everything is now and how much is going on, they needed to take that time and they did exactly what they needed to do. It was, it was incredible. The, yeah. It was, it was just visually stunning. And, uh, the, the amount of choreography that had to go into this to like have every Titan be included and ha- each, everyone have a purpose where it, without every single person was, was so necessary to this. Everyone can contributed in some major way where without, without one one single one of those people who was there being gone they would have they would have lost yeah so it's, I, I, yeah. I love I how everyone's seeing, important yeah. in the final conflict and i loved seeing all the previous iterations of titans uh, through the warhammer's power it was so cool and i was yeah. like it was like how do you beat this army of warhammer titans it's unbelievable yeah and the the whole idea is that like everyone still exists in 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 the paths which is yeah. the term you're trying to think of earlier <laughs> um uh, the, the in the past, everyone's minds are still there as an LD, and you still exist. You never actually die because Amir never really dies, and uh, and so the ability for them to reach out to every previous iteration of of one of the Titans and and have them take control of their Warhammer uh, or or their their manifestation in the in in the real world is so cool. Yeah. Where uh, it's it's truly the bonds that everyone had formed is is what lets them succeed is their ability to connect with others and and reach beyond the hatred. Nah, is is how they how they how they win and it's 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 so awesome, so fucking great, so epic. My God, oh man, that okay, that's that's it. We're up oh, two and a half hours. My God, yeah, man. what an episode. I could talk about this for it's such a it's such hours. an awesome show. Yeah. All right, we we hope we covered and didn't miss anything major. But overall, yeah. I'm really glad I watched the show. Um, I had a great time. And then next up on my watch list will be Full uh, Metal Alchemist. Yeah, I th- given how much you like this, I think you'll like Full Metal. 
mm-hmm. on, on how yeah. that goes because it's really a show that does what Attack on Titan does. It develops a lot, mm-hmm. and it's all every single scene does have purpose. It it, it like it leads up to something, and it has it's such a satisfying ending. It's it's one of my favorite endings I've seen in a show. It's yeah. it's truly incredible. We're like the last like ten episodes like go by in a blink where I'm where I'm just like holy shit it's over. <laughs> it's because like it's uh like the beginning it, it, like the 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 pacing just like basic snowballs where once you get like to the halfway point it's like i think it all takes place over the course of like a week wow at, like once you get to the halfway point I'm so you excited. basically spend you, you spend months building up and then it gets to like the final uh uh uh, uh part of this of the story where it's just like constant fuck yeah Con- something is wait. always happening it's so it's such a it's such a cool series i'm, I'm such a big fan of it all right yeah. I'm, I'm excited for it so but i mean thanks for joining us you're so much better versed on anime than I am. <laughs> so I appreciate yeah. you being here. And then uh, we'll be doing an episode on Avatar Last Airbender next. Uh, so stay tuned for that. It's another anime that I really adored and you got me onto. So that'll be a great one. But in the meantime, thank you to everyone for tuning in to Raiders of Lost Podcast. See you next time.